it's like one of my bucket list items is to do a hot oh, air balloon right. trip. I've always go. wanted to. Why? What's actually going to happen is a Wizard of Oz thing is going to happen. Yes. You hit your head and imagine you spent an entire frightening journey oh, through wait. a foreign it's world. The, it's the, it's well. the opposite of Wizard of Oz. You get just sent to Kansas. And you get that's sent to a I boring stay. land There's where nothing <laughs> happens. I don't have any magic hey, shoes. Except we basketball. Love all of you in Kansas. Thank you for making me incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> that's your fault. <laughs> no, it's not. You just called him yeah, baby, baby. Welcome back to the Jack of the Shadows podcast, season two, episode four. One, two, three, four. I'm Eric VC, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite Kukla and Ali, Dave and Adam. Together, we're the VC what? boys. The Say the hello, what? Dave. I, I, I guess also, I'm Ali because I don't want to be that other thing. Baxter, you know I don't speak Spanish. What's you that? never heard of Kukla, Fran, and Ali? I'm fairly certain no one ever cared about Kukla. Well, Who's Kukla was Fran the other Ollie? puppet than Ali. Who's Fran and Ollie? This is a puppet show from the 50s. They're no Topo Gigio. Oh, they're way better than Topo Gigio. I don't think so. As you can imagine, Kukla is is one crazy looking puppet. For this episode, we read Lord of Chaos, chapters 13 through 18. We'll start this episode, as always, with a review of what we read and view from Dragon Mao before moving on to History Repeats, where we'll talk about Rand's school and what it means, along with what he learned from Herod Fell. And, and also Herod what we learned of Rand's history. Next, we'll discuss where we are at with the intent of our characters and those around them and what's my motivation before wrapping up with our Coplin of the Week and who leveled up. I like Dave as a Herod stood up, though. Right. Was, thank you. Thank you. Nice, there was a little nice sprinkling of some uh, yeah, yeah. I seasoned it. I, I, I threw a little seasoning in there. So without further ado, let's jump into our hot air balloon and sail to the top of Dragon Mount so that we can review our chapters for this week. <laughs> Apparently, hot air balloon is a is funny. It was. I got to give credit this where it's is, due. This I is true. Come on, get into the hot air balloon. I haven't used antiquated technology yet before. to get to the top of Dragon Mount. All right, so let's start with our with chapter 13, Under the Dust. Chapter 13 opens with Theodrin's efforts to break Nynaeve of her block. Apparently, Theodrin has dumped a bucket of water on Nynaeve, who quickly retaliate, retaliated with a strike to Theodrin's eye. This blow was followed by one from Theodrin to Nynaeve's jaw. The two keep at it, not fighting, but trying to break Nynaeve's block. Nynaeve has found someone as stubborn as she is, apparently. She returns to her room without success and sees Elaine in bed, staring at the ceiling. Elaine has returned from trying to teach Escaralda, Dagdara, and Verilin to make Terangriol without success and nearly killing Verilin. Hmm. That was a really well-pronounced enunciated sentence, Eric. Elaine continues to complain about her day, mentioning that Mogedian had suggested they all go to Camelin. This led Elaine to sending the Forsaken to bed. Apparently, she doesn't dig the idea of a Forsaken being somewhere within close proximity of Rand. Hmm. Anybody else think that that's a bad idea? Mayhaps. You know who didn't think it was a bad idea? Nynaeve! Right. (laughs) Not surprising, (laughs) really. After more complaints from Elaine, Nynaeve yells out that she did consider that this is a wise course of action. Elaine makes it clear she doesn't wish to leave until at least Tom returns from... Terabon somewhere. Dad, we, those guys have been missing for or a long Zianara time. Daman. Where where are they? They're they're scouting really out the white cloaks, I think. Yeah, well that would be that would be Amadisha. Amadisha, then. yeah. Oh, dummy boy. Yep. I'm fairly certain they're not in Ireland, Elaine, but I can Elaine be mistaken. Is <laughs> the boys are waiting. 
Before the two can discuss the idea farther, Tarna Fair enters the room. Tarno was not told Elaine was in the camp, but has followed rumors. The only way news gets around in this world. She mentions that mentions that Elida is searching for Elaine and requests Elaine to return with her to Tarvalon. Elaine refuses to leave, and then Tarna requests Elaine leave, and she and Nynaeve are alone. During their private conversation, Tarna mentions she had her block broken by Galena Kasman, who we learned in the prologue is the head of the Red Aja. Do we know what we're about to say, what you're about to say yet? Is she a Black Aja? Right. She is a Black Aja, right? Well, in she's the, Captain in the prologue. Poopy Pants then. Right, yeah. Tarna tries to sweeten her disposition and convince Nynaeve to tell her what she knows of Rand. The disposition. What a show. She goes on to request that Nynaeve also return to Tarvalon with her. Every time you say a word strangely, like Valon instead of Tarvalon, I'm going to start pronouncing other words very strangely. I would like strangely, to you mean? Sure. You're yes. on record. Strangely. Nynaeve refuses both requests. And Fair asks her to think on it longer before the Red Sister leaves. Nynaeve ponders how knowledgeable Tarna is on the inhabit- inhabitants of Saladar and then heads out to find Elaine. She thinks that Tarna Fair has, probably has spies somewhere in Saladar. I like how she brings that up and she doesn't mention it at all. Like every time someone, yeah. like in another one of these chapters, someone mentions, oh, you must have spies somewhere. And they all put, they all just... Completely pass over. Oh no, the no, no. Idea. Well she didn't no, there she doesn't she doesn't actually happened. mention it to Tarna. She just thinks that to herself. Nynaeve returns to her room oh. empty handed, only to discover Elaine newly arrived as well. Elaine has collected two dreaming rings and tells Nynaeve she's resolved to stay in Saladar. She's convinced that without their presence, Tower Two will rejoin Tower One, which the oh. uh which the news that they've heard as to how that how Tower Two is dealing with Tower One leads her to fear. The princess is further decided that they will use a trick and tell Ryod she learned from the wise ones. It's possible for the thought of something needed to guide them toward an object in Teleron Ryod, and then she thinks that they can use the uh, the need to convince Tower 2 to follow Rand or to join up with Rand to find something important in the world of dreams. How is Tower 1 and Tower 2, how are they communicating? Well, Tarna Fair is Pigeons, there. probably. No, no, no. Tarna Fair is there from Tower One. Right. She's there right now, but you just mean in yeah. general, Adam, or you mean at this moment? I meant before that. No, they weren't. They, they, they weren't they communicating. Weren't Remember, really. they were ostensibly in hiding. Unless the spies yeah. were. In a know. secret location, you know, which yeah. everybody was, knows about. It, that, that was secret for about two minutes. It was secret for several chapters and right. not anymore. However long those several <laughs> chapters are. And what I was going to say was, this is pretty good thought control on the parts of Nynaeve and Elaine because both those two are constantly thinking about Rand and Lan. Lan. The person that rhymes with Rand. They're running through their brains like all the time. Mm -hmm. It would be very easy for Need to slip into those two guys. Oddly enough, it hasn't yet. Right. And I, I'm yep. impressed at the fact that, like, that didn't happen. Like, mm. that would have been a funny moment. It has, though, because on occasion, Lan's ring around Nynaeve's neck has appeared on her uh, unwanted when she's been in Teleron Riode. Right, but that's slightly different than going to that object. Right. Well, they haven't really traveled at all But did that, using this, this would have been a chapter where he could have thrown something like that in as a, as a kind of... It just Either happened. Red herring or a humorous. That would have been kind of you know, cool if it had just happened. Right, and one of the sure. two, and one of the two getting really ticked off at the other one, being like, "Would you control you, your thoughts yeah, already?" You, well, I don't think that they would have dragged it the other one. 
I don't think they I would think have dragged they, the other one. They would have just taken themselves. Well, weren't they holding hands? Well, that's different, right? If they're holding hands, but they don't—they're not in the habit of holding hands until they're on Rio. That would be kind of weird if every time they were there, they were holding hands with each other. <laughs> that sounds like a. That sounds like. They're being led by a teacher who's like, now children, remember while we're here at the museum, everybody has to hold hands. Find your partner. I mean, maybe they should hold hands more. I'm just saying. Eve could actually get some power from some folks. Maybe if she held hands with them. So Nynaeve agrees to this idea of Elaine's on the condition that if they don't find anything, that they will leave for Camelin. So she agrees on the conditions yeah. that they adopt Mogedian's plan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's wild. As night falls, the tower feasts Tarnafair, who leaves for Tarvalon in the morning. Nynaeve and Elaine go to bed it's and enter the world Dave, of dreams and begin again. their search. On their first attempt to use Need to guide them, they ended up in a dilapidated Tarvalon near where Nynaeve had seen Liana last time they were in the dream world. And then the next use of it takes them into the tower where Elaine briefly sees someone she thinks is Egwene. They think of their need again. That seems like a big deal. Mm -hmm. Well, we find out later it is Egwene, so it's not really that big of a deal. They think of Need again and end up in a Tarangriel storeroom. There are too many objects in their immediate vicinity, so they try to find a Tarangriel elsewhere that will help Rand. We've dealt with these, like, uh, it's not a flicker that they're dealing with here. No, it's different. Dreams. It's a flick. but It's more of a skip. I noticed that, too, yes. It it's, it's, not, it's not the flicker that you do weird it does say flick. Before. It does say it flick, and this is flick, the first time that too- this idea is being used, and it is very similar to the flickers that Rand experienced when he was swarmed by flies in that room, which we've and constantly... There was, another one. there was one other one that was there, similar. Yeah. yeah. Good catch, Adam. But that I, was a. But that was that had something to do with. Make sure that was a bubble the, of evil, though. That wasn't. That wasn't yes, in. That, that wasn't I in the dream that, world. No, it's not. I don't. Dreams. We got into it when it first occurred. I mean, we dealt through this material several yeah. times. There is a I similarity here, but like the other, right? like the yeah. previous similarity, there are also major differences, which which almost renders each of these unique instances. Sure, but it's two letters letters off of. Right. Yeah. 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 The next journey that they use need for takes them to a strange city filled with white buildings, pointed arches and paved canals. So then they travel to a slum and then they enter another storeroom. And after a couple of more attempts, they discover a two foot wide shallow crystal bowl that Elaine believes is a Tarangriol to control weather. Just what they need to sway tower Two. What does controlling the weather have to do with Rand and Tower 2? We don't know. No idea. On the surface, does it seem to have anything to do with them? It's just weird because it doesn't seem to have anything to do with it. After leaving the building that contained the storeroom, they wander around looking for a landmark to indicate their location. They don't find one, but Elaine has seen enough to conclude that they're in Ibu Dar, which... We've certainly heard of before, but this is our first time, you know, actually being in the city itself. I love that she just knows it, though. I mean, she had to study a lot of geography when she was in princess school. Yeah, yep, exactly. At this point, they, they can't 
really identify the location of the storeroom with the crystal bowl, but determined to sail down the Eldar to Ibu, to Ibu Dar sooner or later, sooner preferably. Before we wrap up this chapter, that initial storeroom that they were in, yeah, did it have another bowl that controls the weather in it? Maybe this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, or what I was bringing up about the, the whole land ran thing. And maybe they just hadn't refined their thoughts enough about what they needed. So maybe in that storeroom, there's something else that they need or could potentially be useful to them, and we don't know what it is. So maybe they just hadn't thought hard enough, if you will. All that they changed from one location to the other was they eliminated, they actually thought they needed something that would help Rand that wasn't in the tower. That's the only thing that they changed. So... I've, so then I wouldn't say there'd be another bull. I, I might say there might be something else that could help something, but not necessarily Rand. So then this would mean oh. that there are several things out there that can help Rand. This just happens to be one. And it seems to be a fairly obscure way to help Rand. I mean, a relatively, weather? at least from where we're at right now, a relatively indirect way to help Rand. Yeah, the weather. I don't think so. We're already dealing with the fact that people can't grow crops. If you could control the weather, you might be able to grow crops. Yeah, I needed to go a step farther. Of course it can help Rand, but how it helps the tower or Tower 2 help Rand, I don't see. I can absolutely see the general application, but how it brings Tower 2 closer to helping Rand, that I don't get at all. It's, It's a weird connection for me. Which takes us to Chapter 14, Dreams and Nightmares. Hmm. Here we go. So chapter 14 joins Egwene, who's just been seen by Elaine and Teleron Riode inside the White Tower. Egwene quickly jumps to the Teleron Riode change pocket. Why do we think yes. Elaine was in the... Or Egwene, Elaine and Egwene. Rand and Land. Right, yes. Come on, Jordan. Why do we think Egwene was in the tower to begin with? This is, is actually in the narration. Also? She goes to the tower to gather information and... There's something about what type of information? she frequently sees people there to just yeah. kind of see who is in the area and what's going on, I think. And mm. also, I got to believe that, I mean, she knows where Elida's study is. So, yeah, I would imagine she's probably up there. But she also has to be aware at this point that the Tower 2 cadre goes there frequently. So she's got to be really careful about how frequently she actually goes into that study. But there have got to be other places in the area to gather information. Go back to the fact that Eric said change pocket, though. So there she is in the change pocket. It seems that Gwen is to be had... confused with out of pocket, which is my probably most hated phrase of anything to do with vacationing. None of us will use that. Whatsoever. Please None of don't us will ever. I will throw a banana at Yeah, we're not using that. It seems Egwene has had nightmares of what would happen if she approached Nynaeve and Elaine in the world of dreams, which is one of the reasons why she wants to avoid them. She's also seen unfamiliar women wandering around the halls of the tower now. Well, I mean, she's been gone for a little bit. How weird is it to think that there's going to be other people in there that she doesn't know? Not only that, she's I mean, Rand's running into the kids from the village, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm sure there's other initiates being brought in. Into the world of dreams? No, into the tower, and people can pop into the world of dreams by accident. Yeah, but she says wandering, not popping. There, well, there are strange that, people though. wandering around. I think this is more of a suggestion that we have more and more dark friends. Because remember, the dark friends have all those oh. dreaming Tarangriel. They do. 
But, so, what, but she knows those ones. She knows those dark friends, though. Well, but the, it's a Tarong reel, so it can be the, changed from one hand to the other. And she knows their names and she knows their descriptions, but she hasn't seen all of them physically yet. And uh, she's probably seeing Forsaken as well. And she definitely doesn't know all of them yeah, physically. More likely the Forsaken are going to be able to disguise themselves successfully for a period of time than the dark friends are. Sure. Do you think so? Anybody think can all, disguise do, themselves in Teleron Rio. Do, do all of the Forsaken have the ability to like just control everything? Yeah, I guess they do. Probably. They've been doing this a long it time. Se- it seems like from what we I would guess seen, so. They do. Yeah. We're reminded of Egwene's impatience before she recalls having seen a Domani woman gotta be liana staring at a freshly blue painted stable in tarvalon that's liana looking in on her eyes and ears and she was a blue so that's mm-hmm. probably some kind of a sign in addition to liana Egwene has also seen a sturdily pretty woman who moved with a purposeful stride blue-eyed and with a determined face yeah See, i do think that's swan copper skin no copper skin is the, the demani which is Li liane liane she would know oh. Swan, though. But she, but no, not necessarily. Remember, she's been away. She has not seen Swan since Swan has lost her her ability to channel. And remember, she changed, so other people didn't even recognize her. And Swan has an Angriel to get into the world of dreams. Maybe. So if but Leanne's Swan there, would look. Well, Swan has the Angriel. She has the dreaming ring, so she right. wouldn't be she wouldn't be translucent. Swan is still recognizable. She just looks really, really young. So many people have thought did not recognize her in when she came to yep. the other town. It could be Swan. Salazar. I think it's going to be somebody else. But yeah, those are all fair arguments for it being Swan for sure. Do you think it's just going to be a stranger we haven't met yet, Eric? Yes. I thought it would be someone we haven't met yet. I didn't think about it being Swan. As she's thinking about... Or what, if, what if we don't see? Like, what if we, right. what if we never find that out? Well, it's right. a red herring. Right. Communism was a red herring. Then she sees a little bubble of a dream and she gets swallowed by that and she's inside Gawain's dream of rescuing her from Rand. This gets weird fast. The dream reveals Gawain's <laughs> love for Egwene and, and hers for him at the end of it. It also reveals that Gawain thinks one of the reasons Galad has become a white cloak is because of how the Aes Sedai have used Egwene in Elaine. Really? I guess it makes sense. Well, and, and Galad, both Galad and Gawain, when they've seen yeah. Elaine on occasion, have complained about the way that she's being used and what she's being allowed to do with them. And so. yet one of them definitely is being used, if not both, by the White Cloaks. Well, one, not not Gawain. Gawain one, is one, in the White yeah. Cloak. Glad, yeah. yeah. But I, but he is, but also at the same time, it makes sense that he would go there and he willingly went there. Yeah, so. I don't think Galad yes, gets used by anyone. I mean... Oh, Galad's oh, being used by... Galad was being used by Aleda, for sure. Gawain. Gawain, thank you. Yeah, Galad, Galad, yeah. Well, I think the tower... Or not the tower. Those White Cloaks... Uh, them White Cloaks. Them their White Cloaks. I think they're using him a bit too... They know his temperament and they know his right and wrong thing, and they can probably apply that to their own needs. Well, let's, well let's sure, just face they it. can. But Most of the yeah. majority of them oh. have ulterior motives on everything they're yeah, doing. Right. Sure. But, but, but the funny thing about that is with his temperament, whether that'll work or not, I don't think it actually right. will. Yeah. So then we cut to Nynaeve, still trying to, to keep herself awake per Theodren's instructions. So she's trying to stay up all night. A bubble of evil surfaces and, Sal- and Saladar breaks into pandemonium. 
Nynaeve helps several women next door and is frustrated by her failure to use the one power before Elaine enters and uses the power to rescue Amara, Rana, and Ranel from some renegade bedsheets. Nynaeve walks yep. out of the building and sees a dead watchman lying on the ground. The bedsheets were wild. Did, does it, is this reminding anyone else of the Sorcerer's Apprentice where everything is coming to oh, life? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. The marching broomsticks. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. everything gets out of hand and like, yeah, first it's all under control and then the chaos happens. Now Only they didn't initiate right, this. There was no initiation. There was no under control. Just the chaos. Which is funny because let the Lord of Chaos rule. Right. Ooh, saucy. Mm. Sprinkle. I'm sprinkling. Nynaeve walks out of the building and sees a dead watchman lying on the ground, and she bends over to take a closer look at the man and then looks up to see Anaya. Anaya thinks this may be Samael and the Aes Sedai have planned for an attack from him, and that plan involves linking. And Nynaeve has an awkward (laughs) moment trying to link with Anaya before she experiences the awe of the link. Yeah. During the link, this was special for her. Yeah, it really was. Uh, She really. Oh, this is what the power feels like. Well, this is what not having to worry about controlling the power feels like, and everybody sort of goes through this tranquility while they're experiencing this link. During the link, though, one person who isn't tranquil is Nicola, who says, "The lion sword, the dedicated spear, she who sees beyond." said it like that but that was fun i mean she may have is it just me or is everyone else stupid when that happens because she makes this grand pronouncement which is nothing like this girl has ever done before right and the entire rest of the dumb women are all like yeah (laughs) she just must be babbling it reminds me of Harry Potter in a little bit when there's the teacher that that does the tea leaves. Trelawney. Trelawney, <laughs> it yeah. Matter. But it is that. Right. It's a foretelling. It's a prophecy. Let's see if we can parse some of this out. So so the lion sword, the dedicated spear. Well, Rand has the dragon sword, not the lion sword. The lion, the lion has to do with Andor. Right. Matt, the, has, a, Matt has a spear. The dedicated spear could also be the Aiel. The lion sword has to have something to do with Andor, for sure, and and maybe Elaine. She who sees beyond. So who is the most major prophet that we have? Is that, well, Guitaro Moroso is dead. So I'm Guitaro Moroso and I'm dead. So quite dead. (laughs) Who's the other, who's the other major seer? Somehow does, but also these girls that are going into the world of dreams, they kind of see beyond. So the the other major seer, well, is it Nicola? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Nicola. I mean, I don't have anyone else giving, we don't have anyone else giving prophecy. Well, we do. The only other person that we know of is the one that we don't like so much. Remember, Elida has the foretelling. Oh, no. <laughs> I did forget about and that. And she is related to Andor and Camelon. Oh. Okay, so what's the line again? The lion sword, the dedicated spear, she who sees beyond. I don't know what a dedicated spear would have to do with Andor. The only dedicated yeah. spear is either the Aiel, who are dedicated to Rand, and they're, uh, or... So, can I come in here and say... I'm thinking this is, I think this is, I think this is a She who sees beyond. 
as just a okay. A Elaine, Elaine can't see into the future through her dreams. Yes. Okay. No, Egwene can see into the future for, through her dreams. Oh right, yeah. Elaine doesn't have any of this. These three things do not necessarily have to be the same person. Related. No, no, no. Yeah. These could be three different people. So the lion sword would be Egwene. Egwene, Elaine, the and... spear, and Avienda. Okay, it's all three of them. All right. Okay, I could buy that. Oh, why is Avienda she who sees beyond? No, Avienda's the one oh, with no, the spear. That's Egwene. Oh, oh, I never okay. thought about this. I think we're onto something, boys. So those three women on a boat. Three on the boat, and he who is dead yet lives. The only one that means that's got to be Matt. He's dead. Uh, it could yeah. also be. It could also be inside Rand's head. Luce Theron. Luce Theron. Or it could be Patton Fenn. The great battle done, but the world not done with the battle. To me, that's Matt. But the great battle is Tarman Gaiden. Well, as we yeah, find out that, from Harry's that's Harry later, that that's not like necessarily the be. last battle. Well, but that's a different thing. But that is what I think of this is something something important still has to occur after Tarman Gaiden. That, the, that's what that, that just seems like the Herod conversation. The, yeah. Right. The land divided by the return. That's the Helene. So that's the Sean Chan. Sean Chan. Oh, gosh. And the guardians balance the servants. That's still the Sean Chan. Because they are the, well, guardians. the guardian. No, the guardians were the people waiting to for the people from the return. Right. It's related to the yeah, Sean yeah, Chan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The future but teeters on tricky, the edge of a blade. Nothing actually is prophesied here. She just names a bunch of people and situations. Well, she doesn't determine an outcome we, or mention an outcome. Think we don't know. That we could be completely misinterpreting this and it could be something else entirely. And we may never find out what that is. As you mentioned, Dave, Anaya seems totally unaware of what Nicola has just said. And how is it she drops this crazy phrase? Mm -hmm. It's not like they're arranged in a circle singing Dahu Doris. I mean, there's but a lot kind of chaos. No, they're wandering through these streets and chairs are hurtling out at them. But that I mean, is there's... just equally as weird as the rest of that. And they're paying attention to all the rest of that. I think someone would go, someone please. Tell me you remember what she just said and write well, that crap down. The other thing is, it's not like there's a giant gong that rang and she's shouting at the top of her lungs. I mean, I was loud, but she very well could have just been speaking at a normal level, which is why Nynaeve hears her and nobody else does. That would have been a more interesting read. That, yes. Eric so so maybe that is it. Maybe it, it. is. A, it was just such an aside that only one person was really like. Yeah. But even you would think Nynaeve would be like. Well, that was a note to pay well, attention Nynaeve, to. Nynaeve does think it's strange. Hmm. Nynaeve and Elaine explain that this wasn't a forsaken attack, but a bubble of evil. Nynaeve goes on to mention she and Elaine have discovered a Tarangriol, but the Aes Sedai move on before Nynaeve can get words out. Well, I love that. She's, she's, she's telling them, this is not the golden bees, Yamurons. This is a bubble of evil. Right. And everyone's like, poo-poo, child. You don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I think, I think they're willing to accept that. but they're No, not... they don't. It's only oh, the really? second time around when she mentions it that they okay. po possibly ponder it. Possibly ponder. The chapter wraps up with Nynaeve trying to determine why Anaya seemed disappointed that this was not a forsaken attack. And then she passes yeah, Theodrin so and, and makes the decision that she's going to go to sleep, but she doesn't follow through with it. Well, I think the reason why she's upset that it wasn't the forsaken attack mm -hmm. was because they've been preparing like they've been making their own battle plans to be ready for this forsaken attack like right when it happens we're gonna have all this ready to go and then something happens and they're all ready to go which didn't go very well and it wasn't the forsaken well gosh darn it we prepared all this for nothing it hasn't happened yet like it's just that, that weird kind of 
It goes along with the rest of their stupidity. Which takes us to chapter 15, A Pile of Sand. The pile of sand refers to the order given by Melaine to Kawinda to search a pile of sand for a red grain. So Egwene wakes from her night of dreaming. It seems that since the death of Moiraine, dreaming gives Egwene a low-grade headache. She looks out of her tent and then returns to her bed and falls asleep. She dreams of Gawain and has some prophecy dreams. So in her dream, she's trying to get Gawain to turn away from her and face a wall against his will. Gawain's closing a door on her. If the door shuts, she realizes that she'll die. So something's going to go on between she and Gawain and him denying her. And if he totally denies her, she's going to die. She dreams of Perrin with a wolf at his feet and a hawk on his shoulders staring at each other. That's fairly obvious. Right. He tries to throw his axe, finally running away with the axe chasing him. Okay, that so we, we know what the pair and who yeah. those people are being. It's his wolf brothers and then and then Fael. Oh, that's who you think it is? You think it's Barrelane. Yeah. Well, Ooh. Why? I mean, because she is represented. She is represented by a hawk as well, but so is Fael. I mean, her name is Hawk. No, Fael's a falcon. Oh, Fael's okay. Fael is not a hawk. No, she is a falcon. No, that's a major that's an important difference. Well, that's interesting because she always is asking about Perrin. And that's now. right. That's right. why that's yes. why that's there. Another of her dreams involves Perrin being turned away from a tinker and running faster and faster. We know who that is. That little tinker. It's so, Aram. Yeah, it's Aram. 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 Whatever you want to pronounce yeah. it with. Potato, yeah. potato, Tarvalon, Sean Chan, whatever. Another dream is Matt speaking in the old language and two ravens perch on his shoulders, claws sinking into his clothing and flesh. So we got two ravens. Not only yes, that, but that's though, the she, symbol of the Sean Chan. It's two ravens facing each other. Hmm. Okay. She, she is also able to understand that language. Old she time. can understand it in the dream, which is interesting. Yeah, but I bet she couldn't in the in the waking world correctly. In the world of in the world it. of dreams, all sorts of crazy stuff happens that can, you know that doesn't happen in the natural world. So that oh, makes it's sense. not a big deal. She dreams of a woman's face shrouded in shadows, beckoning Perrin toward danger, and then her wow. uh, Elaine forcing Rand to his knees. Elaine, Min, and Avienda sitting in a circle around Rand, each in turn laying hands on him. Rand heading toward a burning mountain, the seals of the Dark One crunching under his boots. I can't remember. All the things that she dreams do not necessarily come true. She doesn't even know this. Okay, okay. She doesn't even know the answer to that. All right. Two women she had seen in Teleronrio drag her toward a table of hooded women who reveal themselves as Leandrin. That's just latent. Latent fear right there. A hard-faced Sean Chan woman hands her an Adam. Rand capering through Kyrian with men behind him blasting buildings with lightning and fire. Hmm. She eventually is awoken by a guy by the guy Shan Kawinda. Quinta's period of service is over, but she's maintained her service, like several guys shine. Amise, Bear, and Melaine then enter Egwene's tent. The three wise ones comment on Egwene's recent dip in health post her fight with... Oh, Lanfear. Lanfear. Yeah. Egwene had that. So she's still recovering from her fight with Lanfear. Yeah, she's got headaches and she's got all sorts of stuff going on. She had to be sitting cross-legged on a pillow. Do we think she can't grab the power correctly or... No, she's fine. She she can do that. No, we'll get there. Yeah. 
Mulane demands that Kawinda go and search a pile of sand for a red grain, and then the wise ones discuss the rash of Gaishine who refuse to end their service. The behavior has affected a quarter of all Gaishine. It is apparently only several weeks after the attack by Lanfear. The wise ones have been keeping Egwene out of the world of dreams due to her headaches, but suggest she may be allowed to go with them in the next meeting with the Aes Sedai. Egwene asks them yep. if she can be pulled into someone else's dream against her will. Right. She's, uh, you know. Right. Um, not that I know anybody like this, but. A uh, friend of mine. Right. I'm really worried about this person I know who just happens to be in the world of dreams. Bear informs her love and hate will allow that to happen. Bear goes right. on to say that she learned that from a near 200-year-old wise one that if the love is strong enough, a dreamwalker can be sucked in by simply oh, being aware of the other person's uh, dream. I, I thought it was 300. Okay. Well, that's more impressive than 200. That's another 100. Right, because more is Adam always Adam can better. do math. Yes. Adam with quick math. There you go. Look at that. That's simple math. Right. Simple meth? That's a different matter also. You're right, Adam. It is 300. It's a long time to be alive. Which, I mean, so is 200, more. by the way. Yeah, but mm -hmm. 300 is better because as it's we know, as it's, it's more it's than more. 200. Right. And more is better. Egwene thinks that not even Aes Sedai lived to or, 300, or, or, so or, it is a long time. For the last 200 years are awful. Four score and 300 years ago, our forefathers. We leave Egwene and join Elaine, who heads out into the town and is quickly joined by Nynaeve. The town is yep. gathered to see Tarnafair depart for Tarvalon. The two accepted are soon joined by Swan as they wait for Tarna to emerge. Shortly, Tarna leaves and Romanda Sedai stands on top of a cart and tries to calm everyone's nerves with assurances that they will all be safe now and after our assured return to our proper places in the White Tower. Mm. And... That's why Elaine doesn't want to leave until they have tied Tower 2 to Rand, because there are some people at Tower 2 who still can't wait to return to Tower 1. I don't think that's unnatural. Everyone wants the tower no. to be whole. Yeah. Sure. Totally makes Everyone sense. wants to. Some of them are just more eager for it to happen sooner than others. Right. And some of them and when may it not happens is very important. care as much about Elida being ousted. Right. Yeah. But I think Elida, it's good to all differentiate own, the two things. room by herself. Maybe she'll appear in that dusty storeroom. That's what they need to shank her in the dusty storeroom. The crowd disperses and Nynaeve heads toward the little tower. Near the cart on which Romanda has just spoken from, Nynaeve asks Sherium, Morvern, and Carlinia for say. a private audience. Nynaeve tells the Aes Sedai of the crystal bowl Tarangriel they found in Ibudar and requests leave to find it. Uh, and once the, again, they're like, <laughs> Yeah. They deny the request and suggest that Merlilel. Kandavan, uh, the Grey Sedai, tried to convince the Queen of Ibudar to join Tower 2 and be allowed to search for the bowl on her own. At least they do give credence to the fact that they think that's real. The bowl real. exists? Right. Sure, yeah. Elaine suggests that she and Nynaeve are in a better position to find the bowl than Merliel. That's I her name. I don't think we're going to get it right, whatever it's it is. Merliel, yeah. I Merliel. Yeah, I don't know. She further suggests that Morelia. eyes and ears in Camelon can be informed of the bowl because as she lies, a man is needed to help channel the bowl to work. Right, she just drops that. Yep. That's that's a total mic drop and kick. Nynaeve is like, uh, what? It just seems glossed over. Yeah. Well, it is because nobody can is, call her on it. Elaine hasn't mentioned that to Nynaeve before right. this She moment. just makes it up. I don't think she's made it up. She just knows it, and she hung on to that nugget no, no, no. for some it's strange a lie. reason. No, no, no. It's a flat-out lie. 
says so in the narrative. It does. It says it's a lie. Oh, so uh, she's just, so what we're saying is she's just doing that to guarantee try to that tie them. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. This is her because even she can't figure out why the weather bull has anything to do with tying Tower Two to Rand. Isn't it stupid to think that it wouldn't have something to do with Rand because that's what they put into their heads? Even you assumed that because Need took them there, it must have something to do with Rand in Tower Two. She's probably operating under the same assumption, but like me. She can't figure out what it is either, so she lies to make it more specific. Okay, all right. Which, who knows if that's the right thing to do. I'll give you that not. sprinkle. I don't think that lying to Aes Sedai is, is a good idea. No. She no. Of course, the, the Aes Sedai find ways to do that without actually lying, so, right. I mean, it's not really much True. different. The Aes Sedai still deny Nynaeve and Elaine leave to find the bull, so Nynaeve explodes in a tirade accusing the Aes Sedai of being afraid. I love it. Yep. Speaking of things not to do to Aes Sedai. It didn't end well, but I love it. Yeah, I love that she went with that rant. Talk, talk, that, talk. That rant was fantastic. Cut to Elaine cleaning a soup cauldron and being monitored by Fowling. Not only cleaning it, like head first in a pot. This is my Lloyd Alexander moment. My reference to the, to the black cauldron. Like when you crawl into oh, the cauldron and become right. the cauldron born. Yeah. Like this is what she's oh, doing. She's crawled so into this thing and she's scrubbing out the char in the bottom. We then oh, move to Sherium and Carlinia on the other side of a fence from Nynaeve and Elaine. The two are discussing a close kept secret that Nynaeve's accusations almost revealed. So it must have something to do with them being afraid to tie themselves to Rand? Or just afraid in general. Just being afraid in general. Yeah, Which because the, they, they always have to seem like they're in control. And if you admit that you're afraid, that means you're not completely in control of everything. Yeah, but so. there's a secret involved with that. Secret, That's secret. just pride. I'm not sure That's very that true. pride is somehow tied to a secret. So that takes us to chapter 16, Tellings of the Wheel. Of the Wheel. So chapter 16 begins with Rand sitting comfortably on, or uncomfortably on the dragon throne, holding the dragon scepter and briefly considering what the maidens might do to Alana if they knew what she had done to him. Rand seems to be waiting for some people to arrive. There are a couple of jibes by Luz Theron. He eschews those thoughts and listens to Halwyn Nori as he accounts for the new immigrants who have arrived to Camelot. I like Nori. He's a rather dry man. He's however. a rather dry man, but he gets his he gets his business done. I agree with you. Rand cuts him off after Davram Bashir enters with Lady Dylan of House Taravin. Lord Abel of House Pendar, Lord Lewin of House Norwellen, and Lord Elorian of House Tremaine. These also sound like Lloyd Alexander names. I'm just saying. Well, they're very English. These are no, very No, they're English not English. Names. They're very... No, Tremaine is an English Scottish. Name. Llewellyn? It's UK. They share a very, very Somewhere similar right now, past. some Scottish guys got some bagpipes coming for you, Eric. Before all this, before him meeting them, that he, rem he remembers Moraine's boy saying to him that, like, the first thing that you see will forever be imprinted on them. Just another mention of Moiraine. I'm it's wondering what's going on with she that. She is the cat's pajamas. Rand seems to be using much of Moiraine's advice as he deals with the Andorran nobles. Bashir introduces him with a bunch of titles. Rand requests that they all be seated. The three argue for a bit over who Rand is and whether Elaine or Dylan should sit on the lion throne. Dylan finally says she will support Rand's idea of crowning Elaine and leaving Camelin only when she sees it happen. Mm. This leads to a laughing fit of mirth and frustration from Rand. 
Rand is now no longer sure if his laughter is indeed madness or not, but Rand is getting more and more comfortable with the idea of Luz Theron in his head. This is why I don't understand why we're not getting Rand with it, because that's some crazy stuff. Really seems to be going mad at this point, right? Oh, yeah. What's the definition of mad? I mean, we don't really know if this is schizophrenia or if it's really a separate entity in Rand's head. When we're talking about the dragon reborn, you're talking about something reborn in someone else's body. So if that is the case, then is it really madness when you've got somebody else in your head? I can see it can drive you crazy, but Rand's part of himself still feels sane and he's got this other voice talking to him. So... Is that Rand's madness, quote unquote, or is this really somebody else in his head? And we don't know that yet. I think that if you have someone else in your head, that that could absolutely drive you crazy. I think it could, but I don't think it has yet. We haven't gotten to the last chapter. I think it's the next chapter. Luce Theron is humming to himself when he sees Berlin. That gives me the like, inclination of an actual separate entity. I agree, but I sure, think both but things that are doesn't true. Matter. I don't think they Two are Adam's true point. yet. It's still driving him mad. Okay. Rand dismisses the group, but before they can leave, he pulls Dylan aside and asks her about her initial shock at seeing him. And Rand finally gets the story of who his mother truly is and why people keep telling him he looks like Tigrain or Tigrain. After the story, Dylan tells Rand of Tigrain and he finds himself wishing for someone to confide in. The Andorans leave and Rand finds himself staring at stained glass windows, a past queen staring down at him before Davram Bashir speaks to him. Bashir tells Rand that an emissary from Lord Brend, a.k.a. Samael, has arrived. The messenger enters and it's clear Samael has done something to the man. His face is frozen in a grin while his eyes seem to scream in madness and his hands twitch. He looked all right. <laughs> He was holding it together. After confirming who has sent him, the man ceases speaking in his own voice, and the voice of Samael emanates from his mouth, asking Rand for an amnesty. Pretty cool scene. I love this scene. It was great. Is it just me or like I'm picturing like the Joker face? Love that Joker. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. the creepy Joker yes. smiles. Rand denies the amnesty in strong words, and the messenger collapses in a bloody spasm. That was like one of the more Gruesome Graphic, things. gruesome thing Jordan's done, yeah. After the so dream that Elaine enters in and conquers in, right. uh, in the tower. Yeah. Just outside of Elida's study. Despite his commitment to watch Bashir's men drill, Rand decides on the spur of the moment to head to Kyrian. And Avienda says that she'll come along, which takes us to chapter 17, The Wheel of Life. You know what? I'm missing I miss, out on my Avienda I miss Avienda. Yeah, there you go, Adam. I do. Yeah, I miss her. Yeah. So Rand creates a gateway and leaves She's the throne the room for the Sun Palace of Kyrian. He finds himself talking to Corman Havian, a Corman uh, Burnson, Corman Corman and Havian, a Mayiner officer, Him and, and is frustrated that Avian has used this conversation as an excuse to sneak away. So you wanted your Avianda time. Rand thought he was going to get some Avianda time, and she sneaks off. She's not thrilled wow. once she gets there. Apparently, she's no. being summoned against her own better in interests. General. Rand instructs the men to lead him to Berlane and Rourke, whoever is closest. Javian and Corman fail to find the two, but Berlane and Rourke find Rand. Berlane asks true. after Matt and Perrin, and Rand asks after Egwene, who seems to be on the path to recovery. 
While they walk, Rand peers down into a courtyard where he sees a group of young noblewomen practicing at swordplay. It seems the Kyrianen have been adopting and twisting Giotto to their own means. The Aiel are angered by this, but Berylane has allowed it to develop because it has reduced the deaths among the young men. She also has been supporting the young women who want to learn the sword as well. Ruark is not like that. Was it Ruark? Or oh, yeah, Ruark's not a fan. It was of Ruark. This. I'm just going to say, I think this is a great moment between Ruark and Berylane, and it's the, almost the she's sticking her tongue out at him thing, which is a great reminder of the fact that she's a young woman. Mm -hmm. Like, she's in a massive position of power, but she's not all that old. Rand dismisses his large retinue before entering a study. Berlane confirms that Caroline Damadred and Tormon Riatin are still in rebellion. It's possible that some Andoran soldiers have joined them. This group has retreated to the foothills of the spine of the world, and Rand wonders if Pedron Nael has had his hand in this group somehow as well as he has in Andor. No, it's the group in it's the group in Andor that we know Nael is involved in. Rand ignores this minor threat, though, to focus on the more important one, which is Samael at this point for Rand. Yep. Rourke tells Rand there is fighting in Shara that has arisen since they've heard of who Rand is. And we get another Sharan mention here. Why couldn't Rand just teleport to Samael and just lop his head off? It's possible that Samael has wards that won't allow Rand to travel there, for one. Probably, and yeah. Rand also has to know traveling requires knowledge of That's the destination. That's true, where he is, yeah. Kyrian is starting to recover economically, and a Seafolk ship is docked there as recently as this morning as the trade starts to continue to grow in the land. Which is strange, because it's so far from the sea. Is that the same one we saw before? No, we're getting more and more sightings of the Seafolk docking in river ports and seaports as well. Oh, so you think it's just more of them? This is more evidence that they are that they are becoming Coming more in. prevalent on this continent and behaving in ways okay. that they historically haven't, which is strange. Jelani then interrupts Berylane to tell Rand that Mangan is there to see him. Oh boy! Mangan enters and tells Rand he's killed a drunken Kyrianan for showing off a dragon tattoo on his forearm and the markings of an Aiel clan chief. That guy's so cocky about it. I don't uh, think he's no, he's just matter of fact matter about fact. it. He's just, he's, yeah. You don't think so? I no. thought he was just like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. No, the Aiel aren't really the cocky, no, the except for Kool-Aid Man. Yeah, and he's dead. Right, well, and he's dead. dead. Clint right. dead. Right. I thought he had a little, like, no, you just no, think it I was just, no it was just from matter him. of fact. This he's is not even sad. Like, he's going to die, and he's not even sad. I agree with that. I thought that that would have gone online to be just like, I did the right thing. Being cocky would have gone along the lines of I did the right thing? No, not being sad about it. Right, he's he just like matter he of fact no, about I mean, he's it. Not right sad about, yeah. He's not sad about dying. What's right, the he difference accepts his between punishment. that and a white cloak? What's the difference between an Aiel and a white cloak? Well, and believing, going to, to your death about it. I don't think that we've seen that many white cloaks who would be no, willing to haven't. die yeah, for their beliefs. Good. We assume that they're like that, but we haven't actually witnessed any There's of soldiers it. out there. Too. Yeah, we haven't witnessed Mangan is one of the original Aiel to take the stone with Rand. And uh, Rand yeah, really likes the man. Yeah, that was some interesting information there. It's just tough. It's it's a very, very sad, sad scene. And I, one I of those... Like I get it. Justice has to be done. You have to follow the, the letter of what you wrote. And you wrote something... Well, so you, you don't gotta, have, you have to. You should. Well, if you don't, then... The it's political, not a, the, the the political 
ramifications would be monstrous. It rips away at the legitimacy of the law, Rand which is which did is why. Not like it. Yeah, and no. he's trying to pass it off onto someone else. Well, ultimately, he accepts responsibility for it. He he sure. he wavers in in how it's handled, but ultimately, he says, "No, you know what? Do it tomorrow, and tell him that I'm the one that commanded this." Which, given the way that Mangan treated the conversation in the first place, Rand shouldn't really foresee Mangan having any problem with that. It's just that no, it's just that this he said, "May you this know, sucks. may you find shade, like may you find water." It's tough. Rand at actually at the end of it was kind of like, I don't want to deal with this. This isn't something I should have to deal with. And he's kind of breaking the law in that sense. And the fact that Rurik was like, no, he had toe to you. And then Rand at this point is like, no, I don't want to deal with this. You two have to deal with this stuff. Laying down the law. But then a paragraph later, he does deal with it. No, he did. But then he's going out and being like, you all have to do this now. No, what but I then he says, did. but then he concludes with, no, you know what? I'm telling you it will happen tomorrow and let him know that I'm the one that is proclaiming this. In terms of his death, yes. But Rand is saying this should not happen here forth, that I shouldn't be the one having to go down and laying down the law. Right. And he's right. Taking care of he's me. right. Once he, it's like the judiciary yeah. branch. Once you set the law, it's no right. longer up to the guy who sets the law to enforce yep. the law. But it's a big difference because of what Ruark, Ruark said and the fact that he had toe to him. And so he's changing up the whole toe thing. Who is? Rand. Because he's saying someone else is going to take care of that rather than me. Well, because Rand is actually right. Rourke doesn't have I toe agree. to Rand. Rourke has toe to the law. Now, Rand wrote the laws. And because in this particular instance, Rand came face to face with the man in the situation, I think it's up to Rand to take care of it. But Rand can't address every single one of these. Otherwise, that's all he would ever be doing. Which takes us to our final chapter, chapter 18, A Taste of Solitude. Rand has Rourke and Barrelane inform Mangan that he is to be hanged on the morrow before telling them he is leaving for the school he's founded there. The school is used the property of the now dead Lord Barthanus Damadred, the dark friend who was housing the Horn of Valir before Rand and co. took it back in the Great Hunt. Upon arrival at the school, Idrian greets him to show him some of the new... Ago? The Great Hunt. A year and a half. It's book three. Well, right, yeah. I mean, however long you want to imagine it is in this truncated timeline. Upon arrival at the uh, school, Idrian greets him and shows him some of the new inventions... Most of the contraptions are creations of our world. A hot air balloon, a tractor plow, Which Dave wants to hop on. a telescope. Well, that's the reason why I used the hot air balloon at the beginning yeah. of this. This is such a fun scene. He gets a good, it's like a science, it's like a, a third grade science fair, yeah. but with more impressive stuff. Well, more, more like a high school, you know, maybe, maybe wow. a junior high science fair. Yeah. This would be somewhere in Boston if it's that. Yeah. There's a printing press. Yep. It's huge. And then yep. we get to see Tovir again. Yeah. It's so great. Any guesses what the man with all the brass tubes and cylinders and all the steam that he keeps burning himself with is making? It's just a steam engine, I would imagine. That's what I'm guessing, yeah. So with all these inventions, what do these people seem on the verge of? Well, flying, first of all, because there was that woman that Rand went to talk to, and she was having all these pigeons that she made out of wood. That could seem like they could fly, but she couldn't say a word because she was so scared by Rand. 
They seem on the verge of the age of industry. Is yes, what this is. they're on the verge of the industrial revolution, which is really interesting because I did not expect this in these books. Yeah, it's it is a it is a progression of civilization. But the the more interesting thing is that they're moving away from magic. Remember, all of these things were yeah. achieved in the I want to say the second age, the age of legends, but it was all achieved with magic. And now because Rand is inventing these schools, these things are being achieved by more practical means, by more earthly means, you know, yeah, no like supernatural I, I do, means. but I don't. I want more magic. I agree. I don't I don't like it either. It's and interesting though because he has ask yeah, a he chimney has two sweep out, in the he has in two England to how there, great the industrial revolution one. was. Yeah, he's got two schools yeah. and he wants to launch another one. That's pretty great. I do love the fact that when they show up, though, everyone's wearing wool. And I was like, yeah, that's probably the thing you should be wearing for this weather. So he notices that more people are wearing wool than silk, which means there are some people wearing silk. And that's just to reference the fact that there are more common people amongst this group than there are, you know, wealthy people. Well, everyone is 75 and then the young people that he sees are 15 young years younger than that. So it's an older group. This is interesting yeah. to me because this is... Terry Brooks, in his Ooh, big Shannara series, the Shannara series was he, he ended up combining a couple different worlds, um, the Word and the Void series, and then the Shannara series melded, and it started out in a time of science, in a, in a world like ours today, and then magic started kind of crept in and mm. eliminated the world. Armageddon happened, science died, and magic was left, and then that was all there was. The magic, and, and even until the end of the books, and I, there might be some I haven't read yet, but this is kind of the flip side of that coin. Right. We think. I don't know if the magic is ever going to go away. So Rand leaves this group and then uh, goes to Herod Feld's study, and along the way realizes that Jelani and Daedric are attracted to each other. <laughs> yeah. As they stand outside yeah. the door of the study, so he tells them to enjoy himself this as he enters great. the study. He's like, I know what you two are up to. I well, know what they, you two did. They summer. don't even know what they're up to, by the oh, way. No, they're they just do. flirting with each other at this point. Well, but the Aiel. Well, I think the Aiel. You know what you're doing after flirting. They're, you know. No, the Aiel still have this beginning they're where. They got a cat and mouse dance. They know. Oh, the Aiel have stuff I don't even know about. We learned a lot about what the Aiel have. That should be the name of a chapter. What I think the that, Aiel I think that Daedric is still trying to figure out what's what he wants to do with Jelani. That's neither here nor there. Jelani does sound like some sort of sorbet flavor. Yes, mm. I agree. I think it's a tantalizing one. Rand Ooh. asks Fell whether the bond between a warder and, not, and an Aes Sedai can be broken. This isn't another one of those. Great and the man thinks I'm asking not. for a friend right, of mine. Yes. Rand then follows up on a previous question, and Herod Fell explains the Wheel of Time to Rand and, and why that means that Tarman Gaiden can't be the last battle. It's and then so we, good. we jump to Elaine, who seems to have recently come from a disappointingly brief encounter with Avienda. The wise one in training basically nods her head at Elaine while she walks into Amisa's tent. And Egwene then requests, and like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, and Egwene tries to follow summoning. in, and right, and she's she's turned away at the door. Egwene then requests Soralea take her to Rand's quarters. When she gets to them, she is startled by the appearance of Niala, Avienda's sister, who we've never heard of before. No. <laughs> so we, this is kind of Avienda's had a sister there. all this time. Do we think this is a blood 
born sister, or yes. is this one of these near sister no, type things? No, this I think this is a bloodborne sister. It seems like it's because of the physical aspect of how she's described. It seems blood. Jordan kind of goes out of his way to say that she's not quite as attractive by calling her plump in the face. Apparently. Well, no, 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 no. That's just a reference to the difference between a youthful appearance and uh, and an older one. Is as we get older, we lose more baby fat. That's all that is. Oh, okay. Oh, because she's younger. Yeah, she's younger. I like a plump. But she's, in the face. but she's, yeah. but the funny thing is, she's younger and she's married. Because she's it's not, she world. wasn't she's not a, a spear maiden. Spear. Do we know that? Yes, she was a weaver. Well, you gotta yeah, watch out for those mentioned. weavers. Rand enters, and Egwene bursts into a request for help with the wise ones. Egwene offers to take a message to Elaine for Rand, right as she away. suspects yeah, right none have been bat. taken to her since their arrival in Saladar. Rand asks if she will tell him where Elaine is. Well, Rand was also like, hey, I'm glad you asked me how I'm doing. Are you okay? He's saying, hey, you know, everybody else around me is constantly asking me for stuff. No. You burst in here and, and act the same way, which is We've really been disappointing. Over this before with these two about how heartbreaking it is, their relationship, but this one's rough. Rand asks if she'll tell him where Elaine is. Elaine refuses, and Rand tells Egwene he intends... Egwene uh, refuses, yeah. Right, Egwene refuses. He tells Egwene he intends to make Elaine Queen of Andor and Kyrian, which yep. is news to all of us, right? I mean, I assumed that would happen. You assumed she was going to be queen of both? Oh, not both. No, pardon me. I well, mean, we've had hints that that she has claims to the Sun Throne. Right. There, have been, there have been hints in the past, so this isn't totally out of nowhere. We then get a brief confrontation between the two old friends, and they realize how much things have changed between them, per what yeah. Adam had said. Sad. Yep. Rand senses that Egwene is channeling and asks her if she really thinks she needs to protect herself from him. She's like, no, I yeah, don't, been, well, I don't need nonstop. to protect myself from you. And it's like, you kind of probably has to. Egwene leaves Rand, still trying to figure out how to convince the wise ones she's healthy enough to enter to re-enter Teleron Riod. Rand stares at the door after Egwene leaves, saddened by the fact that he'll have to treat her as I said I moving forward and, and not a friend from home. Rand's just gotten through thinking at least he could entrust his thoughts with his peers from Emmons Field, and now he's even lost some of them, hence the title of this chapter. Hmm. I think he had lost her before this, though. He lost Egwene a long time ago. Yes, but this is, yeah. this is the final nail in that coffin. You think it's the I'm final sure. nail? I feel like it's presented that way. Yeah. I agree with Eric. It's presented as a turning point. We got point. a lot of books to go. We do, yeah. <laughs> that stuff could be rearranged Right, as it, well, can, it can reverse can course, but right now this is the course that it's on. And Rand... It seemed, yeah, it seemed pretty obvious that that's what, the, what was taking place. And that's Rand is sad. in a place where he like recognizes that he needs people to be able to confide in, and this is one person that he can't do it with, and the number of people that he can is just so small, and none of them are around. Perrin, I'm, I'm Perrin's some, been gone for books. I'm hoping for some rec reconciliation there, just because he can't. Sure. he can't keep Me going too. his way with. He can't keep going his way with Egwene. And he's gonna need. He's gonna need some people within the Aes Sedai that he can trust. Yeah, even though she's well, not, he's got no she's one. Not even Aes Sedai. Aviander, like, <laughs> well, she's within the, the structure. Right, she's she not is. an Aes Sedai. The chapter concludes with Sulin keeping watch on Rand from the courtyard below his room. <laughs> Do we think that's gonna become like something huge? At some given point, someone's going to find out they're not Aes Sedai and just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. The floodgates of lava from Mount yes. Doom are going to come pouring down. Yes. That is a big problem on well, the horizon. Well, they already know that, though. They, they who? Know. 
that they're not I said I. Who? Who who that matters and could discipline them for it knows. AKA the Aiel. The Aiel oh, do these, not know. The I said yes, die. Yes, I'm sorry. It's not just the Aiel who would was... the, the Aiel would be less upset than the I said I would. Um, and the and the would Aiel they? would be upset. Oh yes. With yes. Egwene? Yes. One of their understudies? Sure. I don't think so. Oh, I'm not saying the Aiel wouldn't be upset. I'm saying the wrath of the Aes Sedai would be just as great and what the Aes Sedai could do to them. I was about Elaine and Nynaeve. Well, all three of them. They all have pretended to be Aes Sedai at some point. They know that they're not Aes Sedai and Saladar. They don't know that they've been pretending to be Aes Sedai up to that point. That's true. Swan does, yeah. and she's been holding that back. The chapter concludes with Sulin keeping watch on Rand from the courtyard below his room. She's determined yep. to keep Rand safe, even when Rand thinks he's alone. He's not. That was such a weird way to end that chapter. It was very strange because it made her seem like I she was doing something nefarious. It. And yeah. it was short and it was just kind of like, why are but you throwing that in there? Because it demonstrates what I said. It demonstrates that even when Rand thinks he's alone, he's still got people watching over him. But that's a good thing, I think. Yes, but it still means he's never alone. So it's a good thing in that moment, but it's not great for Rand to, to never have solitude. So let's move on to history repeats. Boom shakalaka. Where we just kind of talk about some of the history that we learn here. You know, it's funny. You say the history repeats and what I'm hearing in my head is I'm hearing the song again by Alice in Chains. I don't know why, but it's just when I'm again and again and again, yeah, I, I'm hearing this in my head. about repetition. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. So chapter 16, we get this story. We've drawn these conclusions before because we had several prophecies and these books have been littered with references to Tigraine and, and her disappearance. That idea has been littered in significant moments throughout these books. But here we finally get the whole thing sort of laid out. Yeah, in a so, strange way. So first of all, Tigraine was told by Guitara Moroso that it was incredibly important that she leave Camelin for the Blight. And as I recall, Moroso doesn't really give her any instruction beyond that. She's simply given that one thing and makes a very difficult decision and heads out in the middle of the night. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like there's backstory there that we don't have or have had I, I there's probably more there's going to be obviously more to that than we know i can't exactly remember if we were given that before i don't remember as i recall there is no why moroso is the reason why she leaves and moroso just knows that she needs to go there isn't a reason i mean reason. that's that's a, a complete and utter trust in somebody to just be like you need to go okay i'm going to go there has to be some founded proof of trust for you to do that like you're leaving your husband you're leaving your children yeah. and you're just going out into the ideal waste right of all places in the world yep that's not a small thing that's a massive literally not life-changing world-changing event though she doesn't well, know they, it, but it is she didn't know that yeah but i mean well but she had to know this, from the, a world-changing event society, it would be the society is set up i think i think it could make sense why she would have to i don't know but it is a yeah, if you think about it, not even not I'm not even talking about Rand. I'm talking world changing event. You are the daughter heir. You are leaving Cain you're yeah. leaving Cainland. Right. Yeah. Your nation. Yeah. That is 
event changing. Well, it did. It changed mm-hmm. it changed tons of stuff. It's the reason why Morgase becomes queen. Right. There are a couple of reasons why she trusts Moroso. The woman was an established foreteller. So she was an established prophet. She was to Tigraine's mother what Elida was to Morgase. So she's very important. And even though she was a counselor to the queen, she spent most of her time with the two children. So she had she had a really she had a really good relationship with Tigraine. Yeah. And away she went. Yeah. And then she came back. (laughs) Now years later, pregnant. Well, she didn't return to Camelon. She didn't no, return to Andor. I meant she returned right. back she across returned, the spine of the world. Right, yeah. She returned back to the Westlands. Not to Westeros. That's a different place entirely. Yes, but they both have West in the yeah, name. Yeah, they do. Dylan's father blames Guitara Moroso for Tigraine's disappearance, and he, he's right. But like, not well, for the reasons he thinks. Right. Moroso is responsible for so much of this. She's responsible for Tigraine leaving. She's responsible for Swan and Moiraine going to find Rand. She's responsible for Morghese becoming Queen of Andor. She's responsible for Rand being born on Dragon Mount. Um, She's responsible for Rand being found there. She's responsible for saving the world. We'll see. Well, right. I'll give you that. This is why... Tame is wrong, and given a couple of small tweaks, he could be the dragon reborn. Is because look at how many things fold in on themselves revolving around Rand and Guitara Moroso. Yeah, look at yeah, how I mean, interlocked it's, it's small, all of this it's is. It's not small things, it's, it's a cavalcade of things. Once yeah, again, it's good. It's he, gears. he is right in the fact where he says that history rewrites prophecy or whatever the phrase he is, he uses it. Like, who's to say that if he hadn't done X, Y, Z, the world wouldn't think. But just because the world doesn't think doesn't mean that something didn't actually happen. We as readers know what is interpreted and what is fact. And these are facts. Right, right. Indisputable facts. It took six books for this to, you know, to finally be hashed out. Fairly casually, I mean, it's just Dylan's a conversation not that takes really place. really eager like, to relay this information by any means. Rand has to sort of pull it out of her. Yeah. She doesn't it's just... only like two paragraphs. She's though. not really that eager to talk about it. Well, she doesn't, she doesn't know the guy. This is, once again, this is the first time she's really met and had a conversation with him. Not only that, but I mean... And not only that, you're going to be like... He's volatile. Who knows how he might react to this? I don't, I don't think the Andorans are that eager to talk about... Tigraine's disappearance either though I think that I think it's one of those things because that led to the transition from Damadred to Tricant that led to the transition and that was that was a very difficult time in Camelon and in Andor that transition because you had all these different houses who were fighting for their claim so it's not a great time in Andor and it's fairly recent I mean it's like you know just a little over 20 years old Oh, oh, and that's the other thing. Yeah, that's the other thing is that that whole that whole transition is what led to uh, Layman cutting down the uh, the tree to build his to build his um, uh, so throne, which is why the Aiel yeah, came over in the first place. I mean, so many things spun out of this. Layman damage There's just layers upon layers of this, and they they all they they all interlock with each other. By the way, that little storytelling segment. 
is one of my favorite mic drops in this series. Something we completely didn't not even mention in that was Luke. Right, yeah. because we talked about no. we talked about him. This was the confirmation of, of it, though. Correct. Yes. I yep. mean, yeah. that's massive. That looks like him. Yeah. And not only that, but who Luke is. Luke is related to Rand. Right. Yeah. He's his half brother. Not only that, Rand is related to. Which is why they look like each other. Gawain and Galad. No, Rand is related yes, to is. Galad. Rand is related to Galad. Well, Rand is not he related is a to step brother. Right. Of Gowan. He has no blood relation. Him. He has no blood relation to Right, but Gowan. how how's this gonna well he doesn't have blood relation, right. but he by marriage no he does. Relation. Right. So how's that gonna play out? Like that's like Gowan, the Nancy Pants boy who's driving us all crazy because he's being misled by everybody else and is so easily swayed by everybody else and wants to kill Ram because he thinks his mother is dead, who's not. Oh, by the way, that's your stepbrother. This is why the blood thing matters, because he's not related by blood to Elaine. And and not only right, that, but that's so strange. I mean, think about Luke that's for a second. Strange. The guy's going to have the guy has three lovers, ostensibly. Well, Adam, that's strange. We're already so in strange. We've land. got Luke, I know, who is, is the brother of Tigrain, who we had the prophecy earlier, the dark prophecy mm-hmm. that said Luke went mm-hmm. off into the blight, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever happened to him happened to him. Right. He, he's come back and he's haunting Perrin. And Teleron Riode, right. Mm-hmm. And, and in yeah. the real world, he's whatever the heck his name is. And that's why he keeps thinking he looks like Rand. Right. Because he's yes. related to Rand. Let me click. Right. This was the confirmation of everything well, we, we were discussing earlier. Before. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yes, we discussed it before, but this is the proof. Right. This proves our hypothesis. Yeah. Which is, once again, to me, a groundbreaking moment. This proof is also only by someone that's observing it. What? This proof is only by... Uh... Dylan? Dylan. The fairly yeah. reputable Dylan. She's which, not. A, she's yeah. not observing it. It's known history. It's fact. Yeah. She doesn't. Yeah. She. She doesn't interpret anything here. Okay. This is, she's just giving him the raw data. This is just known history. It's Rand who realizes that this woman is right. his mother. Dylan doesn't. I'm going to say it. he handles that pretty darn well. Yeah, he does. That yeah, is does. like an avalanche of information being dumped on you. You're related to all these people. Here's the history of how you came about. Like. Yeah. He's also got to deal with the fact that, and he's been dealing with the fact that Carrie and, and, and Tom, Tam, however, are not his real, real parents. And this is another well, he's already nail dealt in that coffin. Yeah, but this is like, this is actual, Adam, this is the actual facts. He's thought about yeah. it. Now he's given the actual facts. Yeah. No, no, I know. But he did this with the whole group of people that he had never had any sort of relationship with before. He did this? And had to be like, and had to be like, oh, wait, here's your history that you know nothing about. But now he's like, here's the people you actually know. Here's who your real parents are. Sure. Luke, sure. I'm your father. Yeah. I well, mean, and it brings something up that he, he probably hasn't thought about in some time. I mean, yeah. it's it's a really well, it's tough spot that he's put in here. Yeah, I was not expecting this at the beginning of the book. I was kind of blown away. I thought it was I thought it was too much too soon. Six books so, in, right? Yeah. Well, I mean. I don't know. It's different information that we learned this book than the first time that we learned about his heritage. So I don't know if it's going to be different three books from now. So this is mind blowing story writing. This is so well crafted and so good. This is connect the dots, crazy stuff. Like Jordan has concocted this whole lineage and the way he's crafted this is such masterful storytelling. It's tucked away in here in a really interesting place at a really interesting moment. 
Another piece of history that we get is Herod Fells sort of laying out for Rand how the wheel of time works. Adam, you referenced earlier that the last battle is not the end of things. And what Fell is talking about is the fact that the world that they live in, time is is a giant loop. Yep. Tarman Gaiden is the end of the world for these people. It's just not the end of the world sure. for the entire world the itself. The universe, yeah. Right, exactly. So we've gone back and forth on this, trying to figure out what age we're in. We're in the third age. We're at the end oh, of... Oh, I thought we weren't yet. No, no, no. We're in the, the third, third age. age going going the I thought age. maybe we were in the fourth age, but we're not. We're in the, we're in the third, third age. going towards the fourth. The death of Luz Theron ends the second age, which is the age of legends, I think. I wonder what this age is going to be called. The age of Rand. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like it's all a repetition, though? The age that of the drag. The- well, that's the whole point. He's that's the whole point that yeah. what's his face is making is there isn't really a final battle yeah. because it's all what's all going to come back around again. Whoa. Just kind of like Rage Against the Machine. It's coming back it's around coming again. Back around again. This is for the people of the Aiel. Still, these moments are authentic for these people. The circularity of the way that the world works doesn't really have that great of an impact on you know, how these people live their lives. Everyday people. This is really being delivered by an academic who is interested in this kind of things and is, and is a fascinating character in his own right. And somebody that Rand actually enjoys having around because the guy doesn't actually know who Rand is. Yeah. (laughs) He keeps forgetting that he's the That's Which is great. But Rand loves that. He loves the fact that he can have an honest, candid conversation with the guy and not be concerned about it being colored by the fact of who he is in station so he's the intellectual now that is being presented that's yep. up in his tower or in the room the room the room with the bad view with their intellectual right. it's, it's like the room it's like the room inside of a ship where you open up your curtains and it's a wall <laughs> you're on the it's merlin ship. it's up in the tower yes right. yeah i mean they're right there's a reason why he's why he's up in in the tower um in morty arthur it is it's sort of a reference to the ivory tower of academia. He suggests that the Dark One's prison has to be sealed by the time the Third Age returns. So there's this conversation about how it all works. And he talks about the fact that, well, it doesn't really matter whether or not the Dark One breaks free from his prison because by the time the Third Age rolls around, that prison has to be sealed because that's the way the Third Age works. And I thought that there was an yep. interesting dichotomy between Fell's belief of this and Jordan's actual theme of how heroism works and how stories play out. Because one of the driving purposes of this book, of this series, is to show that history is a creation of a bunch of different people acting in their own self-interest for the most part. Yeah. And acting in moments of need, and blink, that it's blink that, need, <laughs> and that it's human behavior that drives history. And Fell is almost suggesting that eh, it'll just take care of itself because that's the way the third age needs to start is with the boar sealed. Well, he's just following the lines of logic of what's been previously presented, and Jordan is trying to to make us think outside of the structural confines of traditional logic. I think it's the difference between reading a story and reading a history text for sure. But Rand is like, well, what would happen if we if we just crushed all of the seals 
and let the dark one out. And Fell is like, well, I mean, eventually it would just get sealed by itself. And he doesn't really seem to care about exactly how that would occur or how difficult or impossible that might be. There's a lot that's brought up here. Yeah. Harriet also says that the creator could have just created a world that the seal was already there with the dark one already sealed in it, I suppose. And not only that, Rand also throws in the whole, uh, well, unless the dark one wins. He's like, well, yeah, there is that. Well, yeah. Well, there's that. Which it, and time gets kind of shattered. Over. It apparently has never happened before. Actually, there's suggestion that it maybe it did. But if it did, this timeline wouldn't exist. Well, that's arguable. Okay, I guess that it can be arguable, except for the fact that if the timeline was shattered, if the Dark One was truly freed, there would be no one left to fill him back in, because he would eradicate everything. That would be a whole other story. Right. Yeah, we, we would not have this Wheel of Time story. We could have this Wheel of Time story, and it could end with the Dark One beating Rand, and then that would be another set of stories as to how things reset themselves. And that's one of the things Rand is trying to figure out. And one of the we points that Rand is trying before, to make. though, like why it keeps going on and on and on. And now this is the first time that someone else has come into it that'd be like, uh. We've had a couple of conversations about how the Wheel of Time works and, and what it is. Yeah. And this is the first character to actually come into it and be questioning it or just being like. Well, he doesn't question it. He, and he just lays no. it out. Rand is right, questioning exactly. it. One of the other things that Rand questions and and that they talk about is, and this is something that Luz Theron has been hinting at for a while, is what happens if you just break all the seals and deal with the Dark One right away? Well, Luz Theron's there in his mind telling him to do that all the time. He is, and we've written it down to just sheer madness at this point, but there's some suggestion here that maybe there's some logic to it. Right, I, I truly believe that right or wrong, and it may be completely wrong, Theron is not just saying that out of madness, and he he is, but I feel like the madness is 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 born out of something that he knows that we don't know, and once again, that could be something completely bad. And but the great response is he brings that up, and Herod's like, "Uh, why 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 would you want to do that? Don't don't do that." And that's everyone's literally everyone's reaction. Rand's holding the seal up in his head, and Bashir's like, "Maybe right. you don't want to do that." Right. And everyone else. Yeah, but Aaron also said that he didn't think that they could be broken, and clearly they right. Can. They clearly they can't. Well, nobody clearly thinks they, they can be broken. They're made of Quendiar. Right, and as we're seeing, the Dark One has tainted the world so much that Quendiar doesn't mean jack squat anymore. Well, Quendiar does, but for some reason, these seals these are don't. breaking all the right. time. They're not safe at all. So yeah, I mean, I think that's it's what we don't know is what we don't know, and what we don't know is is that a logical thing, or is it madness, or is it you know, is is Theron, who may or may not be a con- construct of Rand's reality, or maybe the separate entity, which, which you all think he is a separate entity, but is he crazy? Yeah, this would suggest that he's not. And I, I will be interested to see how this logic develops. What's my motivation? So let's talk about these characters. And these last couple of chapters, Rand has really seen some of the changes between how he relates with some of his friends. And we get a lot of development regarding each of the major women in these chapters and Rand, along with some others. So we were talking about Egwene a little bit. Let's talk about what Egwene's major driver is right now. She's she's trying to get the wise ones to recognize that she's recovered from her confrontation with Lanfear, 
She's supposed to be an Aes Sedai, but she's not. And luckily for her, because otherwise she wouldn't be able to lie to the Aes Sedai about the bowl needing a man to channel. Right. And so she goes to Rand to have Rand convince the wise ones that she's okay and can re-enter the world of dreams. Is Rand really going to be able to convince the wise ones to let Egwene into Teleron Riode? I don't know. How much contact have they had at this point to be able to, to have that relationship? Not, I don't think enough. I think she, yeah, I don't yeah. know why she thinks that he's going to be able to make this big it. of a difference. She goes out of her way to visit him. But they are still friends. Yes, but she goes, she goes out of her way to visit him and blurts like, like this need that she has for him to do this. Like she's desperate for this to happen. I mean, she's got this fear of the wise ones and what's going to happen and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, if you got the backing of the Dragon Reborn, that's a good chip to take to the wise ones. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but the three of us can agree that Rand is not going to make a dent in what the wise ones intend to do. With no, the but Gwen. she seems to think it may. It'll well, make a maybe it's just her desperation. Yeah, which apparently she she is desperate. Her motivation at this point, she just wants to learn as much as she can. She's also frustrated over the fact that the wise ones are teaching her very slowly. That's Egwene. Oddly enough, it's Egwene and Nynaeve. They're just going to do whatever they want to do and learn whatever they want to learn despite anybody's caution and warning. And I really hope that at some point that ends up burning both of them. Because while I do agree that the wise ones are frustrating in their controlling manner, they know more than Egwene. And she just doesn't seem to care. And she's wandering into this well, world that she still doesn't really know the limitations or dangers of. She simply thinks she does, but she doesn't know what she doesn't know. Yeah, she constantly does that. All right, so let's talk about Nynaeve's motivation. We're getting a lot more of Nynaeve's block recently. Does anyone think that maybe we will see it resolved in this book? I would love that. I don't know about in this book. I sure hope I doubt so. it, but I would love it. We're seeing some interesting work being done on the block uh, in, in the part of Saladar. I mean, they're, they're doing all sorts of crazy things to try to break that down. Yeah. I don't feel like it's getting anywhere. I don't feel like it's getting anywhere either, but it's been one of those she's things that... Still, she's still naive from the block. <laughs> right. It's been one of those things that we've known about, but now well, it's well getting played. seriously addressed. It's a storyline now, and it's going to get resolved. If it doesn't get resolved... It's like the biggest tease of all times and the biggest waste of talent of sure. all times. Yeah. Like it, it's going to get resolved. The potential that never materializes would be so disappointing. Right. She's the strongest that's never going to be strong unless she's mad. Well, but that's the nice thing about it is that is that you have this competing element that keeps her from being just a deus ex machina. Other than Rand, clearly, the thing that can just swoop in and save everyone at any given moment because she's so powerful. I don't think that Elaine and Egwene are that far off either, though, from her. She's just that much more, you're saying? Well, that, Eric, that's why I would say that I don't know if it would end right now because it seems like, well, Rand is really powerful and the books keep going on. But I feel like Jordan does shore up things fairly quickly sometimes, but this has been going on for a while. I don't. I feel like he could just keep it going on for a couple more books. I mean, that's entirely possible. You are correct in the fact that the training the training for it is, is more obvious right now. And, and I wonder... So, hopefully it gets short up. Hopefully it gets fixed. I wonder if part of that is... It would be nice. Well, now she's actually with... <laughs> 
before, you know, she was in the tower and everyone was just kind of poo-pooing her because she's a welder, you know, when she was in the tower and she was, Oh yeah. You, you got to go through this system. You got to go through this system. You got to go through this system. Otherwise, you know, if you don't go through the system, you know, all hell is going to break loose. Now the system has broken down, but they still got elements of it in, in Saladar, but they're, she's done all this stuff and accomplished all this stuff that they think, of course, a lot of the discoveries they've made are on the behalf of a forsaken, but that's, you know, they don't know that. So now they're just seeing the potential that she has without having to put her through the quote unquote cast system, if you will. I mean, we know she's going to have to do certain things to become an Aes Sedai, but I feel like the subterfuge has really benefited the girls and especially 90. Now they're like, okay, now that we know you can do things, we really need to break that down even further. We really need to get rid of that block in order to make you reach your potential. And so they're not hung up on as much, once again, with the caste system as they are hung up on what's stopping you. I don't know if that's what's motivating Nynaeve. I think that's what's motivating them about Nynaeve. What's motivating Nynaeve has, to me, Adam, to answer your question earlier, has certainly changed. At first it was, she's going to become an Aes Sedai to punish all the people that hurt Rand and the boys. And well, whatnot. first it was just to get Moiraine. No, no. Oh, yeah. first, it, first it was the boys. Then it became about Moiraine. It was one, then the other. Now Moiraine's dead. She feels bad about that. She feels, and I think she's gotten over her need for Let's revenge. Let's hope Moraine's not dead. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm fairly certain she is, but let I'm just so, throwing that out there. I'm throwing it out there to the world. Please don't let Moraine be dead. So, the, well, the only rebirths that we've seen so far have been on the, on the dark side, and that's not good. So we don't want that for Moraine. Right. But, well, she went down with the dark. It's like two. If it's if one it's, for two, if it's a two for, for a one. Yeah. So I think she's let go of that hatred of Moraine. I think that was starting to happen before she died. I think now that she's gone, I feel like she feels guilty about that hatred, and so now it's healing. Like she wants. Yeah, that to become, is interesting how that's popping. And up. land. Well, waiting for land. Let, is that a life driver, or is that just a? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it would be, if she was dying, it would be one of the things that she would cling to. She wants to be the healer. She wants to cheat death. It's one of the things she wants to do. She wants to, to find a way to do that. She wants to find a way to heal the things that can't be healed and do things that no one else has ever done. Just get past your block to do that, though. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, not really. Just get really ticked off. All the time. Right, all the time. Which doesn't seem to be a problem for her most of the time. She's pretty be, cranky, yes. you know. But Yeah. This is going to be a very different series once though, Eric, this gets overcome. About, that you're asking about motivation because maybe her motivation will change now and she will actually focus on being it's, able to stop this block. Right. What happens although, when she breaks the block and meets up with Lynn? the person that she talked to that had her block stopped, it was stopped in a very weird way, right? Yes, it was stopped involving it seems fairly easy. romance. Oh, the it, other girl. It seems fairly easy to stop a right. block. It, it seemed like no, a pretty good amount it, of work that other girl it, No, it seemed pretty fast that way she described it. it yes. Pretty fast. She's, she's saying once you break through, that's it. You're good. Right. Like, it just requires a breakthrough. It, it's a zero-sum transition. It's all or nothing. And right now, she's at nothing as she's far nothing. as yeah. being blocked But, that, but that's, that's what I'm saying. What happens... Who is she when she gets the together with Lan and the block is die. Well, then maybe she's just driven by the healing. I would say hopefully she's learned a little bit because in the past, if she were that powerful and able to do it, then things would have turned out pretty poorly. 
probably well, right. And she's already or demonst- she ends up like like Rand trying to heal the dead person and bring the dead marionette back to life, which was sure bad for everyone. Well, I mean, I understand that. She also has demonstrated a lack of ability to cooperate with anyone and to just think that she is the only person yeah, with no a good kidding. idea and just do whatever she wants. Now imagine that that person is the most powerful witch or most powerful sorceress in the world. That doesn't make for a really good combination. I, I think the good thing with Nynaeve is that she, entirely. I will say, I feel like she's got. She could get so power hungry. That's definitely not in her character. Right. I don't, she doesn't need to be power hungry because she just operates as if she's the most important and powerful person in her immediate circle. I think that's lessening. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're, you're correct. That's not power hungry. It would be, she would be power happy. Right. Yes. I, I feel like, I do feel like that's decreasing. Decreasing. I mean, how many times have we talked about her becoming less annoying? I think so too. Yes. Yeah, no, I think But so I think too. she I think still has just, some yeah, growing, growing up to do before. Yeah. Hundred percent. Before this, so leave this Na- is growing up. Before we leave, Nynaeve, what do you think about her experience with the Link when uh, she links up with all of the other Aes Sedai as they wander through Saladar, trying to get rid of the bubbles of evil? I thought it was really interesting that she's able to allow Sidar to flow through her without yeah. needing to be angry, and she experiences that sense of awe and calm. Man, imagine a calm Nynaeve. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Right. Right. It's incredible. I feel like she felt like she was alive for the first time. That's totally important. You are You are right. That's important to put in there because she feels that and she knows what it feels like now. Although, do you feel like the, the people that were also surrounding her that felt this, it was stronger than when they touched the power on their own? They're too busy thinking about it being an attack from Samael and not listening to anybody else. When you're linked, I think you're capable of channeling more than when you're not linked, if that's what okay, you're asking, well, Adam. Like, either way, she gets to experience that for the first time. So it, she's never experienced that before, correct? Nope. Now was, she knows what it could feel like on her own. She knows what it feels like on her own to channel. Kind of, though, when you're, but she has to be in yeah, a certain she, sense. So she, I, would she would be, I would imagine it would be diminishing in some sense. I don't think that channeling on her own is going to result in this euphoria. I think that this was an experience. This Zen is an experience of, of a communal because it's a communal sharing of the, uh, of the one power, but perhaps. Sure. So then it would be different for. Yeah. Okay. But perhaps she can learn something from the experience. Elaine has some interesting conflicting thoughts going on in her head. She's determined to wait for Tom and Julian to return from their mission. So, yep. Like, Nynaeve would Nynaeve like see them. would really like to leave. She's worried about you know about being found out from listening in at windows, and uh, she's getting sick of these lessons and trying to break the block. and And she's ready to leave, but Elaine doesn't want to leave. So that that bond between Elaine and Tom is keeping Elaine there and keeping Nynaeve there. And I think it's more than just the bond. To Tom, I think that's a bit of her, and maybe we'll see since she thinks her mother's dead. I think and that's, that's bond the, with a lowercase b. Right. I think it's queen to subject, however you want to say it, princess to underling, whatever. It, it's the loyalty of a servant to a leader. And I between feel like, Elaine and Tom. Yeah. And okay. not, but I'm saying it's beyond just Tom. Julian also. Really? Yeah. I, I feel like we're seeing. Oh. More and more of Elaine starting to take on loyalty, 
Like these people are loyal to her. Julian's loyal to her beyond Tom. Julian's loyal to her because he sees her loyalty, as, loyalty, loyalty. you know, a leader or whatnot. I, I could be completely wrong. I feel like we keep seeing glimpses of Elaine as a leader. Because we know that that's where this is going. Rand wants her to be the queen. He wants her to be of the queen of Andor. Tyrion and Caelan. And, and, uh, yeah. And Andor, so, right, Kyrian and Andor. So I feel like maybe this is glimpses we're getting of her commanding loyalty to them you know tom obviously has you know that special relationship with her because of how they grew up but tom also has a special relationship to her because of who she is also she is the daughter of the queen she is a princess so i i feel like that plays into it maybe not all of it but there it's going to be a part of that there you know we're talking about motivation from elaine that is another thing she wants to do she thinks her mother's dead she's got to step in and be queen so her role is beyond just being an Aes Sedai now now she's got tower trained to be a queen. The queens of Andor, they went to be tower trained to become, have that loyalty between Andor and Do you think the though that she should, do you think that she should actually become an Aes Sedai before she becomes queen though? I think it would probably be very, be very beneficial. I don't know if we've got time. I mean, we do have time because her mother is alive. We know that. They don't know that. So I don't know I if know. we have Someone time for Someone else has to find that out. Some... And not only that, her mother's still alive and in the clutches of the devil. So that's not a good start. I agree with all of the leadership stuff regarding Elaine. I don't think that there's any doubt that she's prepared and, and ready to be a leader. And those leadership skills, especially on the political side, are going to be really beneficial for Rand. The only thing that I would quibble yeah, with those is... Have been there. We know that the relationship between Elaine and Tom, there was a small misinformed romance budding there for a period of time. And while that has eroded, I think it's still there. I think it's gone for the most part, but I think that what we're seeing here, this sense of responsibility for him or concern about him and, and wanting to keep him around, wanting to keep him close is a holdover from that is the way, be, well, I think is it's the way that I like a, Yeah. So it's, gone from, type thing so it's too. gone from daddy to daddy. Right. Father, daughter. Yeah, sure. As opposed to I pop I'm scared for you. Here's an interesting thought that occurred to me while I was reading this. Couldn't the bond with Alana be something that could be passed to Elaine and be a convenient solution to her desire to bond Rand so that she doesn't have to be the bad guy that defies convention and bonds and bonds Rand. But now it can simply be a passing of Alana who bonded Rand who shouldn't have in the first place to somebody who now can be a more benevolent holder of the bond. Do you think Alana would do that though? I do you don't think she would give that up? see Alana doing that ever. I don't see Alana doing it willingly, but if Elaine was important enough, I can see Alana not given a choice. Well, you'd have to catch her first. Alana? Yeah. I I feel like she's- Is she really fast? I feel like, well, I feel like she speared herself away. I mean, she seems to have had a good good instance up until this point of not being around anywhere. Well, she's always around Farron. I mean- She's boots good. Right. And Varen's certainly not always there. No. They just appeared after being gone for a long period of time. That's true. I mean, there there would have to be some logistics. I just think from a story standpoint, this seems like one of those things that is a convenience for this thing that I always thought was really weird and selfish that Elaine wants. And now she can get it in a way that could even be spun as a positive. You think it's selfish that Elaine wants to bond Rand? Yes. Yeah. 
She loves Rand. Okay. Rand loves her. Okay. Why would that be selfish? It's a mutual love. They would want to share that with each other. Well, there's a big difference between being in love yeah, with somebody and, that, and bonding you, them. I, Those are two I, totally different think things. Mo- what do you think her motivations are for wanting to bond Rand then, Eric? Uh, I, I don't. Not, not I don't think we've seen any evidence sure, of I'm Rand asking. being thrilled about being bonded by anyone. I don't. I think he doesn't like the idea of bonding in the first place. The definition of selfish has to do with individual self-interest, oh, not shared with another person. I think she wants to share an experience with Rand. Elaine wants every bit of Rand she can get because she is so sure head over heels with yeah. him that she wants to share every single aspect. And it's not from a... Rand has also spent about two weeks with this woman. I think Elaine would have to do a lot of talking to Rand to convince him to be bonded by her. That's different. Convincing Rand is one thing, but I her intentions are pure. What you're trying that, to imply Eric, is that her intentions are selfish and no, not pure. No, hey, no, no I'm so. not trying... I am I not trying yeah, to imply that her intentions are not pure. I think that she wants to do something. You need to find a different word than selfish then. She's not thinking of whether or not Rand would want this at all. I don't know that I agree with you there. I don't think she's thinking of whether or not Rand would want it, but I think she is thinking that it would protect Rand if she were able to do that. That's what she's Right. And that's one of the themes of this book is people's desire to protect each other and how that is a conflict often. Elaine is a type that would not do what Alana did. Elaine is a type that would talk with Rand and say, hey, I want to share this with you. It's the thought. The thought itself. Like, she, she, she has not thought this through. And she's so oh, she insistent has. on this. There's no way Rand, w- Rand would want to do this at first blush. There's no way. Yeah, okay. We just disagree on the character of Rand. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree with you that Rand would not want that. I, I completely disagree. I wonder I if Alana's going to pick that. up on Luz there I mean, through the pond. It feels that, like... Yeah, that's spooky. I, I would hope she would, because that would drive her crazy. I don't want her to be driven crazy. I do. I think, she did a, I think what she did, she did, did is wrong, but it's important, thing. because they need to make sure she that Rand is okay. Thing. But she did a bad She did a very yes. bad thing. Well, it's like you said. She did a bad thing for the right reasons. The right reasons to her. And Rel- Relative to her. They yeah, need to make sure that Rand's alive to get to the last battle. They need to... Let's, well, let's all face as it. if Rand can't do that on his own. Well, Rand sucks at communication. He is the world's worst at communication. I yeah, I don't know what that <laughs> has to do with it has whether, to do with everything. Because if Rand, he's dying, they need to know he's dying, and Rand would be like, "I'm why? fine." Why? Why does the tower need to know that he's because dying? Because he has to make it to the last battle. Well, can't the uh, can't the Aes Sedai help with that? Or can How, not the Aes Sedai? If he doesn't communicate, can't the Aiel help with that? that he are, communicates with the Aiel the just as well as he communicates. Are you telling me he's great at communicating with the Aiel? He doesn't have Dave. to be. They're all around him. Yes, he does. Dave, who my... communicates well in this book series? <laughs> the most important person to communicate out of anyone in this book series needs to be Rand. 100%. There's no argument about that because he's the most yeah, important person. Does? The I said I do. They communicate well. They have a no, communication they system. They talk to each other. They get in their little committees and they talk to each other. Uh, the Aiel do that same thing with their leaders. Broken up into factions. Yeah, but they still get together and meet. Rand doesn't Rand, communicate. Rand communicates with. No, he orders. Rand. No, no, no. He communicates with the Aiel. He communicates with Rourke. When was the last time he communicated to them about how he was doing physically? 
When was the last time he communicated to anybody how he was doing mentally? Oh, so no. you're suggesting that personal. the Aes Sedai no, talk no, no. about these things in their gets, meetings? Like none of those done. things get he discussed. So He's been done. dying literally. He at times. You're right, Eric. He communicates a lot, but it's it's not. No one's actually speaking about. What Nobody's talking about their personal feelings. I'm not talking about personal feelings. I'm talking about his health. He has literally yeah. been dying at times in these books and has not told anybody. Now the I the yeah. Aes Sedai have a connection to be able to physically feel when he's dying. You can argue around this all you want. That's but crazy. That's really I, I important. actually I haven't thought about that. That's nuts. They need to sure. know this I'm because sure he I'm won't communicate. I'm not sure I want the Aes Sedai to, to know well, when, someone when needs Rand to. is not doing somebody needs to. I'm I'm not sure that I want the Aes Sedai to be those people. Yeah. Egwene, totally Nynaeve, Elaine are all Aes Sedai. Let's talk about Rand a little bit more. What do you think his purpose is for the school that he created? Remember, he's created this school where they're studying all these different technologies, basically. I think he wants to leave something behind. Yeah. Rand's so convinced he's going to die, the prophecy, and that I think he wants to leave something greater because all he seems to be leaving at this point is death and destruction in his own mind. War, death, destruction, you know, people just going crazy, him going crazy. And this is something that he can fund and he can help build something back, <laughs> build something better. You know, all that, phrase it as you want. Granted, it seems to be a lot of craziness right now, but machines that no one knows what they're doing and singeing people's fingers. But it, it seems like- light bulbs. Right, it seems like the scientific revolution is happening and he's funding it. Hot air balloons. That's my take. Well- a lot of it reminds me of when he went back and he learned the history of the Aiel and that what were those the the Gokers? What the are those jo flying jo carts? Jokarts. Jokarts. The Jokar and and that stuff. So maybe maybe it's just the the lingering. It does come from experience that. that he had there. That's just in his head. It stems from the fact that he saw how much knowledge had been has been lost. I mean, they're they're living in a primitive society yeah. compared to the Age of Legends. When the earth got torn apart, they lost all sorts of knowledge. And he's definitely is looking to hope to preserve some of that. And he's and he's looking to preserve knowledge, right? Because he also has some scholars in that school as well. He's been reading so much about this. Like, as we've talked about before, I feel like he's one of the most well-read folk in this world at this point. So he's been reading all that stuff. So it's really nice that he's able to, to, to put his energy into that. But it is strange in a sense that the end of the world is coming up fairly quickly. And he's kind of aware of it because he's, he's here. So what is all this stuff going to do? It's just going to get lost again. So he's working to preserve knowledge and to, generate, and yeah. and to generate technology. And it looks like, I mean... I don't even know if he's wanting to create technology. I think these people are just doing it. Like, he's just encouraging knowledge to yeah, come I in. Don't, these people right. are coming with their own crazy inventions. Yeah. I don't know that he's pushing them in any specific direction. It's already benefited him because that guy that was the one that made the telescope... Tovir. Was, Ken so it's Tovir. already benefited. He, he knew that guy. And he's, he's there at the school. One of the other things that seems to be driving him in addition to his desire to leave something behind... This book seems to be a quest to defeat Samael. <laughs> that seems to and be golden his bees. major driver. Right? I want well, the golden bees to survive. Is this book going to end with a battle with Samael? Is that is that where we're headed? Seems seems pretty certain to me. 
But but Samuel apparently thinks they're I having a truce. So you know, it's like he's for trying. Me, it, yeah, it might be someone else. We're only at the beginning of it. Samuel might just disappear. To where? Wait, how is Samuel gonna? Do you, you think Samuel? Well, he, he might just fade away, and then we'll we'll get focused on. Does that seem Randall like Samuel to you, the guy Randall. who fades away? How do we know it's actually Samuel? It could be one of the other Forsaken pretending to be Samuel for well, all. Well, but we know. we know that Samuel is an Ilian, and that's where that's where Rand oh. is going. Right, we know that. Right, but like the messenger sent yeah. by Samuel, or I mean that that could be, but if it is Samuel, it fits in with everything else that we've right. seen. I'm, ju- in I'm the, just saying in the we, prologue. If, if we know one thing about the Forsaken, it's that they're schemers. Remember, we also know that they all want Rand to defeat Samuel. Like they're trying to put Samuel up against Rand. Well, some of them are. Some some of, some of them Grandel's are. Grand but at the, but at the very Samael. least, they're operating under this plan that Samael is going to draw Rand's attention, and then somehow they're going to defeat him. Both the bad guys and the good guys seem to want this to end up with a battle between Rand and Samael. So it, it seems to me that that's going to occur. Yeah. Whether or not it occurs before true. the books end, I don't know. But the way these books work, that's how they end. to be like a forsaken yeah. battle. Right. Though in the one two books ago, we had two Forsaken die well, at the end of a book. Right. But it all happened at the end right. of the book, not in the middle of yes. it. And then three books ago, we had one pop up and then just not get destroyed at all. Samael is a uh, fairly conceited Forsaken. Elaine is consistently referring to Rand as conceited or full of himself is what she thinks. Is that true? Is Rand really full of himself? At times, I think he is. At conceited he, and I, full of himself at times i think he gets very pompous you think he gets arrogant with people can you think of any examples because i think that Rand takes actions swiftly in some cases and because he knows that his decisions are so important and is used to people following him he just does things and expects people to like follow him and do what he asks it's out of a sense of duty i don't think it's because he thinks that inherently he's better than anybody else No, but I feel like we're moving in that direction. We're seeing more instances of his self-assuredness is starting to creep over the line of of confidence into arrogance. Sometimes when people who are in power, like you were saying, are so used to power just being handed to them, they begin to take it for granted and then they expect it. And when you start expecting it, it's very easy to become arrogant about that, especially when people resist against that. So I just have this feeling like that's where we're trending with Rand. Because we've seen instances of this before with him being like really sullen, morose, getting really cranky with people uh, back in like book two, remember? Book two and three when he separated from everybody else who was trying to help him and he pushed him away. And my way is the best. I know what I'm doing. That is arrogance. So I disagree that that's what happened. He got sulky. I don't think it was a my way is, is best. Remember, it was I need to get away from everybody because I'm dangerous and I might go crazy and bring thunder and lightning down and everything. So I need to be and away I from know everyone. better than everybody. I disagree. Yeah, I don't. I think it was he was trying to protect people because remember, he causes that earthquake. And then that's at the point that he right, decides to take off. But instead of looking for help, he decided he knew it was better than everybody. And he went off on his own. Well, they all do that, though, don't they? No, I mean, Nynaeve, Elaine, they all they all make decisions and then go off and follow mm-hmm. their own whims. And that's Nynaeve, part of the problem. Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene usually all talk to each other about the decisions they're going to make. I don't think there's a lot of committee <laughs> decisions between those. I think do, there is. I think they argue a lot over things. Yeah, but they talk about once again, coming back to Rand's lack of communication. 
and they're communicating. Look at the Bowl of Winds, for instance. They all got together. Oh. They all talked about well, it. Well, I mean, they we, can, we can come up with instances where, like I said, where Rand has talked I'm to other people and formed battle with plans. You about Rand's lack of communication. That, that is a lot. But I don't know about arrogance. I just don't think he's arrogant. And this book is full of these characters who want their own way. I think it's just the way he presents things because he sucks at communication. They're taking what you're saying, which I do agree with. I don't with. think he presents a lot of stuff. It's the way he says things. The way he comes across and says things is often brash and expecting people to obey because he doesn't oh, communicate it well. That's true. And so she sees yeah, that that's as arrogance. That's true. That's how it comes across. I don't think he's I there. don't necessarily think he is, but I think we're moving in that direction. Remember, he also has the greatest purpose out of everybody. Someone has to save him at the end, we hope. That's part of the prophecy, but... It is? About his blood being spilled, and yeah, there's, there's prophecy in there about that. About what? Rand dying. I don't remember that. Oh, I remember there being some point. questionable stuff that suggests that maybe that's Right, the that's case. what I'm referring to. When you've already made up your mind that you have an end goal and that you already know you're going to die, you need to get your way because you know you have the right way. He is so focused on the prophecy... Yeah, he's focused. ...that he doesn't want anything to get in his way of the prophecy. And so he will... It's, it's almost Machiavellian, and the ends are going to justify the means, and I feel like we're starting to get to... The means are becoming whatever it takes. And whatever it takes is eventually or could eventually become arrogance. Now, right now, I think it's just like we we're saying, his presentation. His presentation sucks. And so it's rubbing people the wrong way, namely the people who love him. Is it all on his part? No. I feel like she's a little bit sensitive to the things that he says. Now, Egwene will experience this with also, though. She says, she says the same things about Rand. Right, and most notably, it's the women who do this. It, it is one of the things that Jordan is, well, is doing, too. Matt's too busy to, trying to run away from him, so... I mean, Matt and Perrin don't talk about Rand's arrogance. Um, well, they're not feelings-driven people. Uh, I don't know that well, Perrin's Matt not Perrin a feelings-driven person. Matt and Perrin don't talk to each other, really. Right. Not now, right. Speaking of communication with Rand, it's only been a few chapters since Moiraine's death, but her advice has loomed pretty large over these last two chapters and how Rand has interacted with the nobles. Yeah. Yep. So that's some places arrogance isn't isn't causing a problem. He was willing to accept her advice and recognize that somebody knew more about this stuff than he did, and he's been using it to to good effect. That took a whole heck of a lot for him to get there. It did, yes. But he's there. Let's hope it sticks. I'm beginning to get the sense that David does not have a lot of faith in Rand. <laughs> I just feel like we're seeing cracks in the surface that can be manipulated. Yeah. Well, we're seeing cracks concerning. in the psyche, for sure. Yeah. I don't like this. He is the one person in this entire world that has been so screwed over. Really? Why? He was just born, and then he becomes this thing, and he discovers it when he's 19 or 20. He discovers... Or 18. The fact that he's the one that's going to save everybody. That's not screwed over. Mm. No, he's not. He doesn't know if he's going to save everybody. All he well, knows I mean, is that he's going to cause the world. So far, the last bottle. so that far, he's, he's done some pretty darn good things. Bottle. Yeah, but at the same time, he's under a lot of pressure. Yeah, I know, but yep. he's done some great stuff. <laughs> and you got a crazy man in your head. It hasn't yeah. dealt well, well for him mentally. I suspect that serious mental problems. Yeah, I suspect that if Rand was given a choice to like go back and not be the Dragon Reborn, I think he would choose not to be the Dragon Reborn. Yeah, I don't think he would take that adventure. I think he'd be like, I'm going to go back and 
Because he's doing all this stuff out of a sense of duty, not out of a sense of like, yes, I can do but this. What would he go back to? Are you saying he'd go back well, to what not having the knowledge he has now? Three yeah. quote unquote women that he's he's around. He's he's embarrassed about the fact that he had relationships with one of them. Who doesn't? He's not want, even talking to her anymore. Him. Who's at, at least acting that way? But otherwise, he's stuck back in no the good. two top. He's, he's not living. With, he's not living dad. large in this. Right. We seem totally like he loved. He loved the two rivers. He's not Matt. No, it would just be a question of do you forget? You never have the memories. Right. That's, that's what I'm suggesting. Away. Yeah. 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 You, you don't know what you've lost. Then you're just a a, a farmer and a shepherd. Which sure. How disappointing would that be for us as readers? It just goes well, to we show that he really he got he like, he got a honestly, crummy deal. He's not honestly, really from the beginning. There's positives about Rand, it for sure. We're not presented with someone that was. It doesn't seem like he's someone who necessarily like this place sucks. No, I don't. I don't think I don't because think I don't think he's really rose from Rand about who, his station in life. At this I don't, point, well, he's not really allowed a lot of time to think about like how great it is because every every second he's trying to figure out what forsaken am I battling next? I've got people plotting against me who are standing right next to me. I've got three women that I'm in love with. Wh- why is that? What's going on there? How how did that ever happen? He's got so many different problems that he's juggling that he doesn't get to stop and look around, really. So let's wrap up with Samael and the uh, the guy Shine. So Samael sends the the messenger to Rand with the frozen face and is trying to and is trying to get like Rand face. to yes is trying to get Rand to agree to an amnesty. Right? So strange. Is there some ulterior motive we don't know? Is he? Trying to form an allegiance? Is he trying to buy time? Does it go back to what you were saying about maybe Samael knows everyone else is against him, so he's trying to get an ally in Rand? I mean, what is this? Doesn't it seem like Samael is kind of panicking? Maybe. It, it seems that way to me. It seems this yeah. seems like a little bit of a panic move. It might be a ploy, but it doesn't really buy him any more time. I don't know how it's a ploy. What's the ploy for? Rand's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. His idea of, of requesting an amnesty with Rand is to send somebody that he's possessed with his voice and frozen the guy's face. I mean, he really thinks that Rand's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is this is totally acceptable mode of communication. I'll talk to this frozen face guy with Samael's yeah, voice Rand's inside like him, bad, who then yeah. dies in a in a bath of his own blood. Creepy. Yeah. Blood seeping oh, out of all his pores. Great. I mean, granted, that happens after Rand says no. But all the stuff leading up to Rand saying no also doesn't really help Samael's case. I do not understand how this guy who is the leader of all these bees makes that decision. This type of communication must have been really successful in the Age of Legends. Oh, that's true. Well, it probably was, <laughs> it probably was successful if you're not like meeting the guy who could end the world. Yeah, you're right. If, if you're just meeting with different heads of state, maybe they're like, whoa, whoa. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that he was trying to intimidate Rand with this maneuver. I maybe. But then he just doesn't know what's been happening because right, that's Rand has killed his fellows. Well, he is aware that he's Rand's been plucking off his compatriots. But this is such a weird move. It's a dumb move. It's just an ill-advised, ill-executed maneuver. Now, I like the moment in the book, though. Oh, it's great. I will say yeah, it's great. I don't buy Samael being stupid. I don't either, which is so why I, he's done this for a reason. What that reason is, I don't know, but I can guarantee you there's a reason. What? the only? I feel like the only reason would be is to be like, I'm going to present this so that you think I'm soft. 
Oh, that's oh. the only reason I feel like it could be accepted. Right to to make him seem weaker than he really is. I agree yeah. that this that this definitely could be a ploy. The other thing is that it could just be Samael's standard mode of operation, and it worked yeah. for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it just doesn't work now. He's Rand is a different cat. He's not an arrogant, you know, sob. He's he's a really? caring. He's you a caring. That's what it is. It's just it's just part and parcel. Just what Samael does. Yes, I he's think- never learned. Right. I've never had this experience before that someone was not impressed with this. Well, n- not just not impressed, but that somebody would actually care about the fate of a messenger. Like, so I think Samael oh. is so used to oh. using human okay. beings as pieces on a board and used to treating with people who also think that way, that when he tries to do that with somebody who actually cares about common folk, it goes terribly awry. Not that Rand was ever going to agree to this treaty in the first place. No. But no. just the, the use of that messenger and the way that he treated that man was awful, awful. That was an interesting episode. And then, and then the last group that I wanted to kind of tackle here were the guys shine. Not that, you know, as a group, they have a motivation, but there's a change going on in them now because some of them are deciding to refuse to stop being guys shine. And are doing so because they believe that that was the original role of the Aiel, were servants, which we know is true. So is what they're doing wrong? You know, not to get too, too whatever, but in today's society, I mean, you have people who are just mentally not as strong as others. And maybe those people are those who have just been like, I can't handle the reality of what our nation has become. So I'm just going to stick with this because this is better than me dealing with the fact that our entire society is not what we thought it was. What if they're actually mentally stronger than everybody and they recognize that this is who we were supposed to be? We drifted away from this and I'm going to adhere to the truth of who we were to be. That is true. That's who they were supposed to be. That's where they found their most comfort. So you want them to become a Tuatha on is what you're saying. I don't have an opinion one way or the other on, well, on they're who they should they be. Well, they should become that again. But, That's how but they're acting. Who was your Coplin of the Week, Adam? Mine is Egwene for going inside of dreams of another person she got sucked in yeah she didn't go yeah, in. she, she got go in. no she she no she light. didn't she went in there and she stayed there for too long she was completely aware of the fact that she could have gone and she actually thought it to herself that oh maybe i shouldn't be here and then she just stayed there she stayed there but there was a certain point where she where she wanted to avoid that bubble that was approaching her, and she couldn't. She was and scared of the bubble in. until it, she realized what the bubble was. Also, that's really fast that she just decides to love him instead of his brother. I mean, there have been hints. But there have it been did, hints. It, there have been hints. It did seem a and bit I've abrupt. I've been talking about those hints. But right. Yes. Yeah, this I will agree with you that. It, I don't feel like we had enough instances for us to all of a sudden be no, like, oh, that makes sense. No, for her to all of a sudden be like, oh. Mm, this is my comfort. Well, but anyhow, she's now we know she's an absolute creep for just sitting in there. She's a creep. She is. Yeah, I get that. I get that. That's like checking your partner's phone. Oh, so bad. But you're supposed to have that open level of trust, Adam. Well, if you do, that's fine. It's like checking your partner's phone without them knowing. Right. It's so gross. It's so gross. Yeah, it's called an invasion of privacy. <laughs> yeah. And she But there is no privacy amongst love, it. Adam. And then this is Robert Jordan's way of being like, "Oh, no, now Gwen's in love with this guy." 
Yes. One, Interesting yes. choice, Adam. Interesting. My my Copland of the week was Samael. Do we know this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's so on brand. I love it. Yours was what? Why is Samael your? You didn't. I, I need a better example. He tortured that dude that and then and then destroyed him in a pool of his own blood. I don't know that I need any more than that. What he did to that guy was just wicked. Yeah, but he wasn't really around. <laughs> right. Yeah, but we literally had no interaction with him other than that. Well, that okay, was enough. Yeah, yeah, that's enough for you. I mean, if you don't think well, it's that I, bad, we'll just let him torture you, you just, and you can die in just, a pool. I mean, of your it'd be own very blood. difficult to do um, since I'm in real life, but mine. It was the Aes Sedai women not listening to Egwene and Nynaeve in the beginning when they were trying, firmly trying to convince them, these are bubbles of evil. This is not an attack from Samael, and they kept poo-pooing them. No, no, no. No, it, it's Samael. We've been preparing for this. It's the pancake breakfast. We do it every week. Like, they're totally just, like, not listening to a word those girls are saying, and those girls are dead right. Yeah. And then oh, at the end, they're kind of like, you. oh. I have a question, though. Do you think well, that they've ever ever in their lives experienced that before no they certainly have not i don't i can't say that i know the only other time that we know that it's happened it happened to rand and matt and perrin in the stone of tear that's not to say I mean, it's not happening all throughout right, the world right yes yes because yes. i'm sure it is right we're led to believe that it is it is occurring I, I should say the only time that we've seen it happen in this grade of detail is then but we've heard references to the fact that it's happened throughout you know these last three books or four books it drives me crazy when but that's what the eyes that i do they don't right, listen to still, people th you can still suck for that yes no, absolutely and, and i think they, they do suck to, they don't listen to one another. some well sometimes they do sometimes for sure i think the bigger the bigger issue is it isn't that they don't listen it's what they pick and choose what they don't listen to because they're obviously took took the girl's advice at all these things they discover and all this things explore because they could give an example and show a real world example. And you would think maybe since they've been through all this crazy crap that's gotten them there and they somehow survived, that maybe they might have a modicum of knowledge about what they were talking about true here. Though. It is true, though. They're not nice to die yet. And then you know what's going to happen? Elaine's going to figure out that new system to make them nice to die. All right. Because they're not. No, they're not. At what point? Oh man! At what point are they going to become? Who leveled up, Dave? It's, it's funny you're talking about this. We were talking about this earlier. I went with Nynaeve. I went to the specific instance of what you were talking about with the um, the passing of the whatever it was when they got in the circle, yep. and, and she was able to do that. And she's able to handle that. Obviously, went with the bowl of winds, the need, and they got to where they're going. Ultimately, I went with Nynaeve. Good chapters for Nynaeve, for the most part. I love it. I, I love mean, seeing Nynaeve. I other than the it. fact that it began with the fact that she clearly punched another woman in the face. I love that. <laughs> I was all about that. Some of that good stubbornness of the two rivers. <laughs> I was expecting kind of a great about beginning to that chapter. Woolen dress or whatever they always talk about her wear. Stout good woolens. woolens yeah. yeah. Have we met anyone else from another section of the world that is impressive as the people from the two rivers? No. Elaine, the well, Aiel. Yeah, he it. said people because... The Aiel. Oh, I guess there are three of them. Brother, well, how about brother. Davram Bashir and his daughter, Fahil? But they're nothing compared to the people from... The two rivers who all have supernatural powers. Yeah, and then also not to mention all the folk from the two rivers that have come into right. the farm. And all the women from the two rivers who are now headed off to become Aes Sedai yeah. that Rand just yeah. terrified. <laughs> Boda Cawthon. My level up was Barrelane. 
I love what she's doing yeah. oh, with Rourke yeah. and uh, managing. Even though she stuck her tongue out, basically. Yeah, even no, though she I, acted she like a child. I love it. Right. I wish that Bear Lane was Rand's third love. Right, I know. I, I, so does she. I'm <laughs> well, so head she over did. heels for Bear Lane. Me too. She's great. She was kind of awful when we first met her, but she's wonderful. Well, I think there will still be opportunities yeah, for awfulness I, 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 in the yeah. future. Because she was asking about Perrin <laughs> and Matt right. for n- not really good reasons. <laughs> right. Oh, she's yeah, she's definitely asking a lot about. She's still, yeah. a, she's still huge a bit of a floozy. <laughs> yeah, huge flirt. Floozy? Why are you saying that? Maybe she's just enjoying her time. I mean, a lot of floozies would say that probably. She's just like Elaine, except except way more flirtatious. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which no, Elaine is but not. She's also incredibly capable. Right. We get yeah. That's what I mean. I, I am yes. I am in Camp Bear Lane for sure, but I am also recognizing the fact of what part of her character is and what part of her character is not. So that's that's mine. Was uh, was Bear Lane? Who you got, Adam? Mine's just the school of Ky- is it Hard Kyrian? Knocks. The school of Kyrian? I don't know what it's called, but that the school that's created, in Kyrian. Yeah, mm-hmm. school of Kyrian. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's in Kyrian. I think it's just called the school, but you can call yeah. it the new the, school. The school well, Jagger. No. Yeah, that's what I'm sorry. It's the conglomerate that levels up for me because there's a printing press. press. Yeah, and there's some machine. Gutenberg, right? Pre Gutenberg. Oh well, yeah. There's a there's a machine too that's just going to be Tesla. And 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 it seems right. like they're building a hang glider, a balloon, a hot air balloon. No, there's a hot air balloon, yep. and then and there's a hang, hang glider. glider. I think you're right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that school is yeah. pretty awesome. And then they're it's they're really burning cool, methane, but I don't know right. if it's actually going to do anything, or if that's the only time we see it, but. I hope for the best. Uh, I would imagine it'll come into play again. I mean, yeah. this is we're, and they're we're building not schools even halfway through this series. He wants to build schools elsewhere. Series. Yeah. I like it, though. A lot of, a lot of good stuff going on in that school yeah. and a lot of leveling up. Yeah. yeah. You could have chosen one person in specific, and that would have been good, but, you know. I don't need to choose one person. You don't. No, you don't. There was a printing press there. Someone and then there's also, there's also the guy that we met before, and then there's also the, the Tesla coil that seems to be created. Right. All good stuff. That wraps up episode four of season two. Join us for chapters 19 through 24 of the Lord of Chaos. Until then, may you rest in the creator's hand. May you know good hunting, young bull, and she's to give you many cubs. Doviande setovias again. Hey.